when you first got to the varsity football team at Quitman High School, who was that first guy to kind of bust your butt and welcome you to that varsity level competition? Well, I went to a small school in Quitman and, uh, you know, uh, as we all practiced together because it was just, you know, a small 2A school back then. And so Rhett Crosby was the guy. He was the guy that you avoided, uh, you know, necessarily never got a big hit from him. But, you know, he was kind of like the the Latimer that you remember yeah, on the yeah. program. And so that's kind of the mentality he had and how he carried himself in the field house. So as a freshman, you always had uh, your eyes out to where he was and, and and you just wanted to make sure that you didn't come in close proximity. But he went on to play college, which was a big feat, uh, you know, especially coming out of small town like Quitman uh, and did a really good job there. So uh, but that was definitely the guy that uh, as a young kid going into Quitman, playing football for the first time uh, that you kept your eye out for. <laughs> It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast We got a real special one today, man I got a real heavy hitter A guy I've actually known for a long time A guy I'm proud to call my friend A guy who shares my interest in Friday Night Lights And so he's got some of the same, you know, weird quirks that I have It's not a weird quirk, but we got some of the same quirks And uh, man, what a magical season that this, this guy and his staff and his kids had at Harker Heights High School. I do my high school pick'em show, and I, I, made, I made some hay, you know, picking them <laughs> to defeat DeCaney uh, deep into the playoffs. But, uh, again, this guy I met way back at Clements. It's my honor to welcome into the Team Player Podcast Studios the head football coach and campus athletic coordinator now at Colleyville Heritage High School. Welcome, Jerry Edwards, to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Kovo. I've been listening to the podcast and keeping up with it. It's cool what, what you're doing with this platform. And uh, I feel honored to be on the show today. No, man, Coach, I, that means a lot that you're listening. I really appreciate that, man. We, we do a lot of Houston stuff, but, man, now that you're in the Metroplex, we'll get the Metroplex going, and we, we're going to do we're going to take over the whole region at some point, I hope. But uh, if you're enjoying it, just like Coach has been enjoying, again, please take the five seconds, hit that five-star rating. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we got about 60 on Spotify and 30 on Apple Podcasts. We got a perfect 5.0 on Apple. We had a perfect 5.0 on Spotify for over a year. Some troll snuck in there and gave us a one or something. We got a 4.9 now. So, again, please just help us out if you haven't rated. I, we have five-star guests on this show. And so, please, let, let's get that five-star back. More people will find the show that way. If you want to leave a written review, I'll, I'll read those on the show. You can hit the follow button, and then that way you'll be subscribed. You're going to get a new episode in your queue every single Sunday. We will be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into rotation. I'm your host, James Kovaleski, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let's, let's, let's find out more about you, man, some, some of your All beginnings. Right. You're from East Texas. You're from Quitman. And yes, sir. that's a place I've not been. And so can you describe to us, like, first of all, for our listeners, like, you know, where is Quitman? So equipment is like northeast of Tyler. Uh, you know, it's a very small town. Uh, we're, you know, about 20, 30 minutes away from Gilmer, which I'm sure a lot of uh, high school fans oh, yeah. are, are aware <laughs> of. Yeah. 
Uh, and then our rival when I was in high school is Mineola, uh, which is, you know, in, the, in that classification of recent years have done extremely well. So just a small little town in East Texas. Uh, my dad was the mayor growing up. Uh, oh, I and, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, that's kind of where the political side of me comes from, I guess, as far as, you yeah. know, being a head coach and being able to build relationships with everybody outside of the program. And so I got a little bit of that from my dad uh, there in Quitman, Texas. Uh, but both my parents worked at the hospital there in town. Uh, my mom was a lab tech. My dad was the hospital administrator and mayor of our little town. And um, I went to high school, all you know, K through 12. And so it was small. I had a graduating class of about 98. Uh, and so everybody knew everybody uh, from ninth grade to 12th grade. Just a great experience growing up there uh in east texas you know and so if we wanted to go to the movies or do anything we had to go into tyler and that's about a 40 minute drive and then you mentioned graduating of a class in 98 you know i know you, you lived in sugar or you're in the sugarland area which is a big houston suburb now you're in the metroplex and the grapevine colleyville area another big suburb you know maybe harker heights still a lot bigger than a class in 98 i mean it's still you know 6a football but it was maybe more of a small town feel i'm just curious like What's that been like for you now that you have a family, uh, you, you know, your lovely wife, your three kids? I mean, what what's it been like uh, kind of your, your career is kind of taking you into, into the bigger classifications? Do you sometimes miss the small town? I'm just kind of curious about that dynamic. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that when I got into coaching, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a head coach. That was my goal. But my goal was to be a 4A head coach or a 3A head coach, yeah. because that's my wife is from Floresville, which is outside of San Antonio, which is a small 4A school. Um, you know, they're growing now though, but you know, and I grew up in equipment, we were 3A back then. Uh, and so I was like, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to be a small town. I loved everything about it. And I want to raise a family in a small town. And then, you know, I got on the path, you know, to be a head coach, I, I figured, you know, you can either be at a place for a very long time, or you can become a coordinator at 5A, 6A level. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, that's when I became, uh, I, I figured I needed to get a job at the 5A or 6A level and I got a job at Fort Bend Clements at the 5A level and just got on that big school track and just really never got off of it. And it's funny, you know, I told everybody my next move when I left Harker Heights would be a smaller town so my kids could grow up in and uh, and then I took the Colleyville job right in the heart of the Metroplex. Yeah. Uh, but it is a little bit smaller. But, you know, me and my wife, we sat around and talked and, you know, maybe we were not country folk anymore. Maybe we're city yeah. folk. And so uh, we've we've just kind of grown up that way and just stayed on that track. And that's where the coaching world has taken me. Uh, you know, I feel very fortunate to be here. But, uh, you know, it is different. It is a lot different. I tell this story all the time. You know, when I my first job was at Milano, mm -hmm. uh, very small 1A school, and there was probably about a 200 kids in the entire school district. Uh, and then I took a job at Fort Ben Clements and I had 200 and something kids every day in my classroom. Uh, <laughs> so it was definitely a, a culture shock, but I've enjoyed every stop I've had and it has been the big school route, uh, but I enjoyed it. And as Colleyville Heritage, I mean, I feel like when I was in college, they were at the highest classification. So has, has that been change over time, right? They have, they were, uh, when I was at Mansfield, we actually played them in the playoffs, uh, in the first round. And we were, you know, the old school classification five, a, which is six, a now, and, and they beat us. Uh, but, uh, they've recently, you know, it's a, it's kind of landlocked here. We're in between right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, and it's a very affluent area. So there's not a lot of new families moving in. And so the enrollment kind of is, it sure. started uh, balancing out a little bit between Grapevine and Colleyville. And so they've actually gone down in classification a little bit in that 5A realm. 
And is there is there there's a Grapevine High School or in your school district? There's two. Yes, sir. So Grapevine Colleyville ISD. So Grapevine uh, was is the uh, original school in the school district, and then Colleyville opened, I believe, around ninety eight, ninety seven ish, I think. And is that is that a, a big time rival? I guess you haven't experienced it quite oh, yet, but I mean, I'm sure you haven't <laughs> experienced. But I can tell you, when I hit the ground, uh, I heard it's called the Red Rail rivalry that is awesome. uh and uh you know we have red in our school colors they have red in their school colors there's a train track that runs in between and so they've told me that it's a it's a it's a spectacle i mean there's a parade on the day of the of the rivalry wow. game and uh they you know grapevine in their downtown kind of does it all Mustang. We do it all up Panther over here. And I've heard it's a, it's a standing room only atmosphere. So I'm pretty excited about that. You know, that's, that's the greatest thing about high school football, right. Is, you know, those type of rivalry games that you, that everybody lives and breathes by and and can't wait. And uh, they've already told me that that whole week is it's, it's crazy. So I'm excited about that. I can't wait to get in there and uh, be in that atmosphere and compete, Uh, you know, uh, That'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. We had a booster club meeting last night, and they were already talking about designing the T-shirts for that game. In so June, I love can, it. <laughs> yeah, so you can tell it's a big deal, and uh, and they're very proud of that game, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And this is a district ball game? Are they in 582 with you, or are they a different classification? No, they are, so it's oh, a wow. district ball game. So there will <laughs> be a lot on the line. Uh, Grapevine yeah. actually beat, uh, beat us last year uh, and uh, won the district championship. So uh, that's something wow. that uh, okay. this year I want to get there and, and get going uh, and make sure we get it back on this side of town. I love that. And be careful of those T-shirts. You know, our good friend, Brett Sniffin, our good mutual friend, we, we had a principal that made a, a beat Elkins shirt. Elkins, as you know, Elkins well, but yeah. they're our rival. And that actually kind of ruffled some feathers over there at East House. So. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, keep your eye on what those parents and principals are printing on. Okay, that's my advice for you. But, uh, but let's, okay, so that, that's kind of, you know, we talk about the excitement at Colleyville Heritage. We'll talk to, a touch a little bit more on that later. But right, let's talk a little bit more about Quitman. You know, you said, uh, you know, while you were there, uh, it was a 3A at that time. Dan Webb was your head coach, and you played football, baseball, and track. So very common of a lot of our guests, you know, at, at smaller schools, very common multi-sport athletes. And um, I'm just curious, you know, you talked about, like, enjoying being in a small town in general and knowing everybody in your graduating class. But anything you want to say about your experience more on the athletic side at Quitman uh, or, or Coach Webb or anything you want to talk about, you know, as you recollect on your time at Quitman as an athlete? No, I had a tremendous time, you know, uh, my dad wasn't a bit athletic guy and, uh, you know, I don't know how I fell in love with it, but I did. I remember playing baseball as a young kid and, and all the way through and into the high school and just enjoyed really the camaraderie and the, and the teammate, the teammates that you make. I mean, a lot of the guys that were in my wedding were, were high school teammates. Uh, when I took the Colleyville heritage job, um, Tommy Parker, who was a wide receiver, he was a year older and I was a DB. So we always went against each other in practice and we just kind of formed a friendship just on the football field in between plays, just talking to each other. Uh, and so when I took the Colleyville job, he lives in South Lake, which is 10 minutes from the school. And I really hadn't seen him in, in a few years. We had stayed in contact, but, you know, just living in Central Texas, him in Dallas. And so I called him up, say, hey, man, can I come crash? And so I lived with him really basically for a whole month and a half. And, you know, it was cool catching up, but it was those bonds that you create uh, in high school that we did in, in equipment. And there's 
a lot of guys that I still keep in contact with today. You know, uh, a dear friend of mine, David French, is a principal there in Lindell, which is a town, a couple of towns over mm-hmm. and, and growing up there. And uh, I think that's really what draws me to it is just the relationship piece that you built uh, through the game of football. Now, we weren't the greatest team. I think we were five and five my senior year, didn't make the playoffs. Uh, our baseball team was, you know, was pretty good, but you know, all those guys, we all did it together. You know, we were, we all played football. We all played uh, baseball. We all ran track together. You know, there was a several of my closest friends. We were all on the student council together. And so you get those experiences being at a small town, you know, I do, I have seen it at the six, a level, you know, and there's a lot of guys that just specialize or this is their one track and I try to take that small school mentality and and guys hey do everything because you're only going to get one shot at it and uh, you know those are the things that you remember the most you know very few of us get the chance to go to the next level but uh, you know equipment was a great place a small town um, uh, the the football field was right across I do remember this so I hadn't been back to equipment in a long time you know uh, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. And so, and my mom had moved away. And so I hadn't been back, but I was back in town uh, and I had my kids with me. It's like, Hey, let's go check out Bud Moody stadium. That was it. And it so yep. yeah, it was one of those, Oh, it had, uh, you know, uh, rock uh, st- uh, bleachers and then regular bleachers above that. Love it. Uh, but I would just remember there was a hill that all the kids would play football on and roll down while the game was going on. And, you know, I remember it being this huge, big stadium with this big hill. Everybody rolled down these big rock bleachers. And I took my kids out there and it's like three levels high. And the hill is not very high. And I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, as a kid, it's this Absolutely. big place, you know, that you look forward to going to because everybody went to the games on Friday night and uh, win or lose. And running up and down that hill. And it was like, my kids were like, dad, I thought you said this was big. And I was like, well, it was back in my day, you know, right, so you right. up to everything's bigger and larger, I guess, when you're little, but uh, it was right. cool to go back and see it. Cause I hadn't been there in, in years and years and years. And so it was, it was neat. I love that. I love that. You know, you, you, you mentioned, you specifically said you want to kind of bring that small town vibe here to Colleyville, you know, at heritage high school. And, I really like that. I love them. I love when I talk to my my friends and, and guests and everyone that, that went to these small schools. I mean, they got to do they got to experience so much as, as a multi-sport athlete. I see your kids you're, you're having in multiple sports. I see all the photos, you know, and I guess th- that's a question for me. It was more of your, your role as a, you've been a successful a campus athletic coordinator, too. I'm almost more interested in that because when I was in that seat. I found that to be the part of my job I was not ready for. You know, I think the football defensive coordinator, Ridgepoint, learning under Coach Sniff, and I think the football, even the record didn't indicate it. We, we did beat a playoff team one year as a 2-18. and 18. We beat a playoff team in Nimitz. So I think we, we played good football, but I was not ready for the campus athletic coordinator piece. That's what really drove me out of coaching fairly quickly for a short, you know, head coaching career. I didn't enjoy it, man. Got to be honest with you. I did not enjoy spending more time moderating adult, you know, disputes, the the volleyball and girls basketball fighting over players or gym time or this, that, and the other. Like, I, I was like, Whoa, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> you know? And I think a lot of young coaches are like that. You're a guy that got, you know, got your first start, you know, fairly young, you know? And so you've been doing it for a long time and I want to take advantage of your knowledge here for all of my guys listening. What advice can you help people that are successful coordinators? And then they get that first job and all of a sudden that campus athletic coordinator piece slaps them in the face. Can you describe from your experiences just, just experiences you've had or, or what you can share with us? It, it is difficult, it, it, you know, and people say, oh, what do you do in the spring? And I spend more time in the spring working than I do in the fall yeah. with football because football, you can kind of just 
you, you know your routine and everything, but in the spring when you got track, soccer, basketball, I mean, they're all going on at the same time. And like you said, the coordinator piece is the difficult part. Yeah. Uh, that that consumes a lot of your time. Uh, and so I learned very on, even when I was a classroom teacher, being a teacher coach, is you got to be able to manage your time and be efficient and be organized. And I'm, you know, I pride myself on being organized and structured and, and structured so that I can do everything I need to. But I think the biggest piece for me, uh, you know, is, is making sure that, that you show that you care. You know, I always yeah. was told I never want to be labeled as a football only coordinator, you right. know, and, and you hear about those guys that it's football or else I don't care about anything else, but football. And, and I've never wanted to be that way. And I try to show my coaches in other sports that, uh, I'm here for you. I want you to be successful. Your success is my success. You know, uh, I want to relish in that too, because at the end of the day, my job is to make the high school experience for everyone on this campus enjoyable, not just football boys. You know, I want the girls basketball, I want girls track, I want, girl, I want it all. And so I think the biggest part, and it is time consuming, and I think, and I'm kind of going on a bunch of different tangents. Oh, but that's, my this wife, is great. This is awesome. You know, you got you got to have a good support network at home. Uh, yeah. You know, I married a great coach's yeah. wife who totally yeah. understands during the season. This is his hours. And during the spring on Tuesday and Friday nights, we got dinner. He's on his own uh, because, you know, I'm at games and being there. And and I like to go to coaches practices. You know, uh, when yeah. I first took the Harker Heights job, I went to a soccer practice one day and just bebopped out there. And the, yeah. the head soccer coach came over there and goes, coach, I've been coaching for 15 years I've never had the campus coordinator come watch a practice yeah, he goes yeah. what do you need and I'm like man I'm just here to I just want to see what's going on you know because yeah. I don't want kids in other programs to see to go who's that guy over there I want to go hey that's coach Edwards and so when I got here to Colleyville tried to do the same thing our softball team had a tremendous run went all the way to the uh, state finals and uh, played in the state tournament uh, and, you know, towards the end of the season, those softball girls already knew who I was. Hey, hey that's Coach Edwards. And so it was yeah. cool for them to say hi and just acknowledge me when I was at games and stuff. And so I think building those relationships and doing things as a campus coordinator intentionally to show other coaches that you're there for them. You know, one of the first things that I did at Harker Heights uh, was – hire strength and conditioning coach. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was big. And, you know, that's a tough selling point for a lot of coaches, uh, you know, because every head coach is protective of their program. Sure. And yeah. I get it. You know, yeah. they, they want, and for me, I'm protective of football too, but I also got to see it from a, a big aerial view. What's best for our entire campus, right? Not just the football program. Uh, and a lot of coaches just see it through that small lens and I got to see it through a bigger one. And so hired a strength coach and hey, this is going to help you. You know, yeah. uh, it's going to take this part. You may be good in the weight room, but now just focus on X's and O's and develop a relationship with your kids and let this expert be the one that sets up your training programs and make your kids better. I Absolutely. mean, you know, I tell people all the time, it's like, if I'm going to go, if I have a toothache, I'm not just going to go to a random person. I'm going to go to a dentist. Well, if you want to be bigger, faster, stronger, we'll go to a strength coach. Yeah. Uh, can I work, run a workout session in the weight room? Absolutely. But my expertise is in football Yeah. and his expertise in the weight room. And so, you know, I got that on campus and uh, I said, just give it a try. And all of our coaches that utilize that, I think started to grow and go, okay, you know, and they could see that, you know, 
he's doing this for the benefit of the campus. He does truly want to see our program succeed. Uh, and so you do that. And so same thing I got to Colleyville. It's like, hey, we need a strength conditioning coach. You know, started talking to the coaches here on campus. This is going to take this off the plate. You can start working on just X's and O's and he can help. And so uh, I, I think they're starting to see that, you know, it is beneficial during our summer strength. It's been great. Uh, a lot of kids are coming out, but it takes time. And it's a relationship business. I mean, it, it really is. And I mentioned earlier my dad being a mayor and that's. You that's got that salesman want, politician yeah. in you. Yeah. I want to be, I want to show you that I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm not just a, I'm, I'm a man of action, not a word. You know, I want yeah. your programs to be successful. And just touching base with them, you know, hey, how can I help? What, what do you need me to do? And and so I think over time, because at the end of the day, we all have to work together. Uh, you know, uh, if I have a football, baseball guy, well, I want them to do both. You know, right. I understand that there's coaches out there that try to sway guys by how they have conversations with them about picking one. And I never want a kid to do that. I, I enjoy playing both. I want my sons to play both. And I never want to be, you know, I never want to be the football guy that goes, well, if you go play this sport, then, you know, you might be second string next year. You know, it's like, go do that. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be a better athlete anyway for me. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's what you got to do. You just got to make sure that everybody's on the same page and pulling in the same direction. At Harker Heights, it was Rep the Shield. And once Rep the Shield took off, uh, that's something that I kind of just started hashtagging out about six years ago. And people started understanding that it was about the school and not just a football Rep the Shield. We're all representing the Shield. And when I would talk to the faculty or the staff and, hey, this is what athletic needs, that's always what I finished with. It's like, we all rep the shield. We all want this school to be the best it can be. And you as a teacher can help us. We can help you. Uh, and so we're trying to bring that mindset to Colleyville as well and, and pulling it all together. Man, I love that branding of rep the shield. Because I think that was one thing that kind of, I guess at, at Ridgepoint, I just, I felt like a lot of the coaches were kind of together. I mean, it was, it was new, it was exciting. All the programs were winning. And I think when I got to Aldean, it was just a little bit more, you know, a little more struggling in some of the programs and the coaches were a little more, um, in silos, I guess I would say, you know, and so I, I just, I wish I had something kind of like what you did there to kind of organize that and get that rallying cry that we're in it together. But, you know, as far as relationships, I totally agree with you, man. I think that that, that was one of the things I felt like I, I did a good job. Maybe some people said differently, but because I feel like the tree that I come from of coach Hume, and I think about all those coaches that have become head coaches, which is a lot, whether Keith yeah. Knowles, Brett Sniffen, uh, even Rick LaFavors via Brett Sniffin, uh, Bobby Darnell. I mean, I'm sure I'm a, a Keith, I said Keith Knowles already, you know, Clement. So all of those guys yourself, there's not a single one of them that I would peg as, oh, he's just a football guy. I've seen all yeah. of y'all on the sidelines, cheering on teams, getting fired up as your teams advance <laughs> in the springtime. I see it, you know, I've seen Coach right. Sniffin attract me. It's going crazy, you know? And so I think that's really cool for other sport coaches to see that. I think for me, the two things that from listening to you, I, my organization was not on par at that time. I was younger. I'd never been in that position. I didn't really think about the amount of work that was coming to me. I didn't really know what to expect. And I didn't have the structures in place. So I think that's something where I see a veteran coach like Cirillo Hedo is now the coach at Aldean. Like, I think he's got those things in place. So I'm really excited for the future of Aldean. And then number two, you know, for me at that time, I was a bachelor. And I, you know, you might think, oh, you can put all your time into football. That's a bad thing. You know, I, I, I think at that time, you know, like I just really compartmentalized the losing onto myself and it just, it was not healthy. I think had I had like my wife now and my son, maybe I could, I could compartmentalize better and understand like I've got my wives are really at home. You do a great job of that. 
yes, you work hard, you work long hours, but you are very involved in your kid's life. I just saw you celebrating your, your, your wife, Jillian's birthday the other day. And yeah. so like, you're doing both, man. So can you talk about that for our coaches listening? How do you find that balance? Like you don't want that coach is just going to be never spending time with his family, right? And then your assistants want to be on those staffs. So can you talk about that dynamic and how you manage it so well? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that you, you hit the head on the a nail on the head. It, it is my why, uh, you know, everything that I do, uh, you know, we, we call ourselves team Edwards and we're, yeah. that's my first team. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's what I center everything around is my son's, I was blessed to have, uh, you know, three boys yeah. and, you know, and when you start having kids, you know, it, it's not as easy for some. And so, you know, we struggled a little bit there, but, uh, you know, the good Lord blessed us with three boys and yeah. me and my wife have been married for 19 years. We're already talking about what we're going to do next summer for our 20th. Yeah. Uh, but it's important. It's extremely important uh, to try to have that balance. And, and sometimes, and you can ask my wife, it's hard for me to turn it off when I get home. Yeah. Right. Because you're always thinking about, you know, the day or what you got to do the next day or, or, or what you can tweak here and there. And so it's hard for me to turn it off at sometimes, but she's really good at setting me straight, uh, yeah. which is good. She's like, Hey, it's family time. But my wife is very intentional about making sure that we devote family time. And, uh, and as my kids have gotten older, I've, I've started to value a little bit more because, you know, I go back on Facebook memories now and you see these pictures when they're little bitty and yeah. they're two or three. And now I got eighth graders about to be high schoolers. And, you know, my wife always said, we're making memories and we're not always going to have the opportunity. Uh, and so, you know, we go skiing every spring break. Mm -hmm. Well, this coming spring break will be our last opportunity because, Next year, they'll be playing baseball during spring break, and we can't right. take that trip anymore. Go. She goes. Yep. And so that kind of hit home with me. I was like, oh, you know, she, you know, this is right. And so we're very intentional as a family about making time. We have movie night and yeah. uh, we go to dinner a lot. And, and it's getting a little bit harder now that our kids are getting older because yeah. they're starting to become teenagers. You know, they want to be with their friends. Instead. Right. It's not as cool. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But they're really good about it. And then uh, so we set that time aside. And then me and my wife always set time aside for each other, you know, yeah. uh, and we always every summer make it a mandatory just me and her trip yeah. uh, just so, you know, it can be me and her. Uh, and then when I do go on vacations with either her or the family, uh, I try to get away. I try to plan it around where nothing's going on at school so there won't be any distractions like the week we're off for summer strength or the July 4th week where I know there's not going to be any problems. So I don't, I'm not going to be bothered. I can solely focus on that time. Uh, but that's important um, to get away. And, you know, it goes back to your original question, you know, I'm going to be fully invested here uh, and I am fully invested, uh, but when I want to go home, I want to be fully invested there. And so you try to structure everything during the day and, Think about what do I need to accomplish today, what I need to accomplish this week, what I need to accomplish this month to be ahead of time. So you're not always playing catch up. And I mentioned this earlier. I learned this as a teacher. I was a science teacher. So you had to prep labs and all the stuff that goes with teaching. I had binders that were in detail. That way I was always trying to be ahead of the game. And so and I try to do that with my coaches as well. And so, you know, transitioning now that through the timeline off a little bit, but you know, my coaches in March, when we come back in March, they already have the calendar from March all the way to December. And they wow. have 
you know, and then there's a mailer and it's funny because I brought four coach or three coaches with me from Harker Heights. And every summer they get a letter in the mail that's got dates, a calendar, our, our itinerary for our coaches retreat and all this stuff. And I send it home. So their wives get it more importantly, that way it's at home. Cause if you give it to them in paper, it won't make it home. Right. And so right, right. I learned that from my wife when I was yeah. an assistant. And so, uh, so I mail. And so the coaches that came with me, they're sitting around going, Hey, our wives have been asking when the mailers coming. I was like, well, I got them. And it's funny. Uh, so the mailers are, are set up and ready yeah. to go out. Uh, I just got to get them mailed out, but I think it's important that, my coaches and their families are aware of what's coming up and when, so they can plan. Uh, and I try to do that way in March. That way they can set summer vacations because, you know, coach, you did a good job of it too. Yeah. And I learned that as well as in getting feedback from coaches that have been on my staff. That it's like, coach, we love the fact that our families know when and where it, and I think that helps. And, you know, because I've learned to be consistent and be successful it's keeping good guys around you and yeah. not and appreciating them and not turning over your staff every two, three years. Right. Really what got our ball rolling at Harker Heights is uh, the guys that were on my staff there had been there for maybe five plus, you know, right. Uh, right. coach Pike had been with me for nine years. He came with me to Colleyville, my quarterbacks coach who came with me from uh, Harker Heights. He had been on my staff for five years. My, yeah. The, one of the coaches that started at the middle school did a phenomenal job, moved him up as a freshman coach. He was a freshman coach two or three years. Now he's going to be my varsity coach here. Uh, but they, that's the feedback I get with them. They know what to expect, when to expect it. Uh, and it's not going to be by fly by the seat of your pants. Uh, you know, practice practices are the same way. Calendars are set the same ways and families appreciate that. And guys that you can keep around you for a long time, understand the culture they understand what you want to accomplish uh and it helps you accomplish that mission if you're constantly changing over staff and reteaching people your ways or how you want things done then you don't get that continuity and so i think that's been a big part of my success is i've had guys on my staff that are there and they don't leave and you know and i think a lot of that is attributed to we create a family atmosphere we make sure that they know what their expectations are and we give them plenty of time to prepare their lives outside of football uh, and not, Hey, the next week we're doing this. Right. Uh, and I'm not a grinder. Uh, and I tell people yeah. that all the time. I'm, I'm not a grinder uh, because I have a family and I want to see my family. We're going to work. And I think some people are, and you can win. I think, you know, we've, we've done a good job of winning at Harker Heights and we didn't grind there. Uh, yeah. And so that's just kind of how we do things. No, man, that was great. I love I love diving into some of those things with you and especially kind of seeing like some of your experiences, even equipment, like just the multi-sport athletes and promoting that, like it's bleeding into what you're doing now, the, the attention to family from a small town and that close-knit feeling. You're doing that now with Team Edwards. And uh, I think that's really cool. And so after equipment, you go over to College Station and you, you're, you're an Aggie. And this is what I, I don't, I didn't remember this about you, Jerry, but you were a pre-med student oh, at yes. first. And so I keep stats on this. Now <laughs> I've, I've got like 70 guests. 61.64% of my guests did not think they were going to be a coach when they stepped onto their college campus. So you, you're in the majority. And I, I found that a little surprising, but it just shows it's never too late and you never know when that, when that passion is going to bite you. And uh, so can you talk about what changed, like what, what, what made you go from uh, pre-med into coaching? 
so yeah, so at Texas A&M, I was a, a biology major. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, both my parents were in the medical field and I, you know, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I mean, I really did. I wanted to be a pediatrician. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the funny thing is, is, you know, when I get to A&M and you're in, you're taking biology, you, you've got labs all the time. You know, I think, I think every semester had two labs. And so labs take a majority of your time and day. And then on top of that studying. And so I had to get a job. I needed a little job and I needed something that was flexible. So I got a job uh, at, it was called Kids Club as an after-school program. Uh, and I got to be around kids a lot and they had a little flag football team and got to do that. Uh, and it was really good to me. That's where I met my wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, I still enjoyed the game and athletics that I'd learned back in high school. And so when a good game, you know, just as a high school fan in college, when a good game would come around the college station area, I would go watch it, uh, you know, playoff game. And so this is a true story. So me and my, my, my wife, Jillian, she was girlfriend at the time, Madisonville was playing Mahia and it was a state ranked game. And I was like, let's go to the game. Yeah. So we drive to Mahia and we're sitting in Black Cat Stadium and, you know, they're chanting Mahia, Black yeah, Cats, Mahia, yeah, yeah. Black Cats. I'm sitting at the very top and just like a lightning bolt, there's a guy walking up and down the sideline with the headset on. And I mean, it was like, I, that's who I want to be. That's I don't know what he's doing with yeah, the headset, yeah. but I want to be that guy. How do I become that guy? Yeah. Uh, and so from that point forward and my wife, you know, I was working in an after school program and enjoyed being around the kids. She was in education and, you know, it was like, and, and this is like my senior year, like I'm prepping to take the MCAT. I actually took the MCAT wow. uh, and I applied to, to one med school. Um, and I was just like, that's not what I want to do. I want to yeah. do that. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I graduated. I had to re-enroll as an undergraduate already with a degree to take like 17 hours of pre-education classes right. to enroll in a graduate program to get my master's and my teaching certificate. And from that game, from that Mahia Madisonville football game, uh, and I don't even know who the coach was, but yeah. I was like, changed my life. And so uh, I wound up going going that route. And I started working in Milano and, and I loved everything about it. And I've never regretted my decision. I, I absolutely thoroughly enjoy everything about this job in the 21 years that I've been coaching. And I often think back, it's like, you know, what would it have been like? But, uh, you know, I think, you know, and God blessed me with three boys. And I just felt like that that was my, my goal in life or my, uh, focus in life is to be leader of men. And so I've been blessed doing that my whole career. And from that one football game, it changed awesome. my trajectory. Yep. Man, you, you know, it's funny. We're going to talk some Friday night lights later, but you really, you and Jillian are Eric and Tammy. <laughs> really, I mean, honestly, like she, she, she is like your rock. She makes, she, she makes sure that you have family time just like Tammy does. And, but she goes with you to games and supports your dreams. I mean, that's just, that's a really cool story. I didn't, I did not know all of that, man. I love how it just, it just hits you like yeah, in, a, in a flash, it hit you. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned a little bit of Milano. That's how you got your start. But what I really want to dive into is the Fort Ben Clements experience. You know, that's All where right. we crossed paths. But can, yep. can you tell me how did you come across? Um, how, how that's a big move, right? Milano is kind of outside of Austin or in between College Station. And Austin. Yeah, so it's a blimp in the road. So yeah. Uh, so you know, part of my, you know, like we talked about earlier, part of my uh, journey and part of getting into education was 
during this master's program, you had to have an internship working at a school district. And so uh, I got hired on in Milano, which is about 40 minutes outside of College Station. So I made the drive every day uh, and I was a middle school science teacher uh, and I coached football and baseball. Uh, and loved it, you know, and so I did that for two years, and then at the time, I was was about to get married, and so, um, like I mentioned earlier, I knew I wanted to be a head coach, and so I knew I needed to get to a big school, so my second year at Milano, I started applying to every 5A and 6A, or, you know, back then, it was 4A, 5A, but I started applying to every 5A and 6A in the state of Texas, uh, and just sending my resume. Cause you know, back then, you know, it, it was still kind of yeah. 20 years ago. It wasn't, you know, yeah. uh, you, you couldn't just even, you know, uh, so, yeah. uh, I just started sending it out to everywhere I could. And, uh, one day, uh, this is a true story. So I sent my resume to Fort Ben Bush. Mm. Uh, and so, but coach Hume from Fort Ben Clements called me say, Hey, I got your resume from coach uh, Molig, I think was the head coach at the time from yep, Fort yeah. Ben Bush. Yes. Uh, and uh, I want to interview for your science teaching coaching spot. And I was like, all right, let's roll. So big school in yep. the Houston area, never been to Houston. Uh, and so I said, let's go. So I'll go down there and interview. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, at the time I, I was making $30,000 at Milano coaching and teaching. Yeah. Uh, and so coach Hume, you know, the salesman, he is, you know, coach, he's like, he wrote on a little note card. He goes, I don't know what you're making at, uh, at Milano, but this is, and he folds it up hand. This is what you're be making at, uh, Fort Ben Clements. I opened it up and it's like double. And I was like, yeah. Oh, it's a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's just me and, uh, my wife, we were about to get married. And so we were going on our honeymoon that summer. And then I was like, Hey, we're going to start our coaching career married and in Houston. So I took the job, but years later, I found out that, uh, coach human just recently got hired at Clements and he was at a coordinators meeting with the Fort Ben Bush coach and, mm-hmm. and the Fort Ben Bush coach was like, Hey, you know, you got your staff hired and he goes, no, nah, I need a science guy. I can't find a science guy. And he goes, Hey, I just got a resume yesterday from a guy that's, that teaches science and gave my resume to coach Hume. And so you think about these God things along your journey. And it's like, what if that conversation never took place? I mean, you know, cause right. I'm sure we'll dive into it, but coach Hume, you know, kind of helped propel me to this position now. And and just a simple, here's a science guy, giving that to coach Hume, really helped take my career off. And so there's moments like that throughout my coaching journey that I look back on and go, if that would have never happened, I would never be where I am today. And so that's a cool story. And so me and my wife got married. We went on a honeymoon, packed our house, moved to Fort Ben Clements. And we spent four years at Fort Ben Clements, uh, you know, with a young uh, go-getter staff uh, that helped get it going. And so, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that, you know, I think, being around good staffs keeps you in the profession and keeps you going. And I've always been very fortunate to be around great staffs. Man, it's, it's, it's also funny, just the, the parallels and connections there. Coach Scott Molig was the defensive coordinator at Fort Ben Austin High School. Like I, I played under him when I was a student. And so like, we're, we're all connected somehow. And, and he's <laughs> yeah. now the, the athletic director at A-Leaf ISD. He's a great guy. So I, but man, yeah. that is crazy to think, what if you never got that phone call, you yeah. know? But okay, so as far as the Clements thing, you – you were there when I got there. So you'd already been there for, so you were there before the magical 13 and one year you were there for the year right. lost to Brazoswood in the first round. I believe right. I, I was there right. just as a fan, not knowing yeah. I'd get the, be at Clements. And I just remember like 
because I'm from the district. Like I said, I went to Fort Ben Austin. My senior year in 2000, I graduated 02. So 2001 season, us and Clemens played for the, I call it, you know, it's kind of the toilet bowl. We're the two worst teams. <laughs> we, we went to yeah. triple overtime. It was one of the most beautiful games ever, but Clemens was not good. I never thought of Clemens as a good team from when I was in school. And then I go to college and I go up to Austin College. I'm kind of looking at the scores. I'm like, hmm. I was like, Clemens is starting to like move up these, these the, the ladder a little bit. They're moving up the rankings and, you know, the standings. And I'm just like, there's all these names. Like I never pronounced any of them right. Not until I met you, everyone there. Like couldn't pronounce Hume. I was like, oh, this coach Holmes, he's pretty good, you know? And I was like, I don't know how this Watcha kid, it seems like he's always on the stat sheet. And then they got this running back named Lenoir. It's Lenore. <laughs> and I, was just, yeah. I just, you know, it's like all these weird names to me, but I'm like, wow, Clemens is interesting. And so I actually, I taught, I did the same thing you were doing. I did an internship at Clearbrook high school as a part of my, my education program, not a coach. And then I called Kevin Moran, who was my assistant principal when I was a student. So it was all these connections. So I end up going to Clemens and I get there and I see the exact same thing you do, man. I'm instantly drawn to these coaches, you know? And at the time I was a very wallflower kind of guy. I lived at home. I didn't drink any, I wouldn't drink at all. Coach Fisher and I always laugh all the time. I went to an after party and like, I drank like one beer over the course of a three hour party, you know? And so like, I was that guy, but I was still loving this staff. And I mean, everybody was so cool, you know, yourself, Fisher, uh, coach bird, you know, coach De Los Santos, you know, rest in peace. And just everybody was awesome. Coach sniffing, obviously. Um, so can you just talk about like, for me as a brand new coach, like coming into that culture that became all that I knew, you know what I mean? So I thought it was right. normal. And I think as we go in the profession, we see like, maybe it's not, it's not normal. Like the parties that we had after pretty much every game, we had a party. And I think back on it now, I'm like, man, we all had to be so tired. I mean, I was one of those DSV guys, yeah. you know, putting stuff in the computer and coming late, you know, and stuff. And I just like, I don't know how we had the energy to do it, but looking back on it, we wouldn't do it any other way. Like there's just so many great memories and it built that bond. So can you describe like that, that the importance of, you, you said it already, it helps, you know, retention, but like, can you just talk more about what, what you experienced at Clements? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a young coach that's just starting out, I, and we we all hit it. We were all young and and, yeah, and more, yeah. and more. You know, uh, Coach Campbell was his first opportunity very to be an offensive very, coordinator, yeah, uh, and then Coach Knowles, his first opportunity yep. to be defensive coordinator, and then Sniffin was coming over. He had had some a lot of previous experience before. He was our special teams coordinator, uh, and then I was just a young guy that uh, wanted to absorb everything I got. You know, when I got there, it was a you know, Tony Frankie was uh, the, yeah. the the D line coach, and uh, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, and and I was a JV coach, and you know, and and Coach Hume's policy back then, you know, there was five varsity coaches. Four I want to talk more about freshmen. that. <laughs> yeah, can, can, yeah, Jerry, let's talk about that because I think a okay. lot of our listeners are not used to that kind of structure of the staff. You know, and a lot of them are. We have had coaches listen to this, so they may be interested in it. Can you describe the structure that that you you came into at Clements? Right. So there, we had five varsity coaches uh, and that's all they did. Uh, you know, they coached both sides of the ball. Uh, and then there was four JV coaches and they had the JV and then four freshman coaches. Yep. And that's how Coach Hume had his staff divided up. So when I came in, I was just the JV coach. Uh, but and, and, and the varsity guys did all the work. And his rule was you don't have to be here on the weekends, um, but if you want to, you can. Yes. And so it didn't matter to me. You know, I, I was recently married, but no kids. And so anytime they were up there, anytime yeah. they were up there, yeah. I was up there yep. when they go scouting, you know, at Fort Bend, you played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you were scouting pretty much every week. And right. so I would go with them scouting. Uh, but I just wanted as much as uh, to be around it as much as possible. And then uh, that after that year, Coach Frankie retired. 
Uh, and I went into Coach Hume's office and I was like, hey, I want to be a varsity guy. I want to be a varsity coach. And so this is year three for me in the coaching world. Uh, and I think because I had been at everything and, and, and shown that I really cared, you know, he afforded me that opportunity. So going back to what you're talking about, so I was the defensive line coach, wide receivers coach. Uh, and so, you know, that I coached both. We, yeah, we did yeah. an hour of practice. We did an hour of defensive practice, individual group team. And then we blew the whistle and it was, then you'd go to receivers and do an hour of uh, offensive practice. And we did that our whole, all four years at Fort Ben Clements. And then when we went to Mansfield, you know, the DFW, you know, right. uh, that ain't going to work. And, but when we got to Mansfield, we did the same thing. We did the same thing at Mansfield for the five years I was there. Yeah. I coached linebackers and wide receivers uh, for the five years I was at Mansfield uh, and we coached both sides of the ball and we had a lot of success doing it that way. Uh, now I've since changed, uh, and coach, that was going to be my question. I was actually curious about that. Yeah. And coach Hume has since changed. Uh, Oh, has he really? I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, (laughs) well, I'll tell you a story. Uh, So when I left Mansfield, my first year at Harker Heights, uh, we did it. We did it the, you know, the way that I, I'd only known I've done it like that for nine years. And so we did it that way, but as a coordinator, I always thought, you know, because I was a defense coordinator at Mansfield. And so we would do an hour of defense and then we go to offense and pretty much everybody has a primary role. Right. Sure, and then sure. they would just, you know, so like the starting Mike linebacker, he would be the backup fullback typically. Uh, and, you know, I understand the value. You might need him one day, but I was like, man, what if I had more time to work on this with that guy who's just kind of standing here watching practice. And so, but we did that at Heights. And so, you know, my mind's like, how can we maximize more? And so I split it. Uh, and you know, that spring I decided, okay, we're going to go one side of the ball, uh, with our kids and coach him, he, he got, I can't believe you're getting away from what yeah. we used to do. Sure, sure. It's been successful. And then fast forward about four years or five years later, he takes the, uh, Waco midway job. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, and I was like, what do you remember giving me? Some hard time <laughs> and now you're doing it. Uh, and you're using a segment clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. a great point. I forgot all about that. We didn't use a segment timer. No, it was kind of one of those. And you know, it was, it was Coach Hume kind of time. Coach Hume's time, right? Yeah, it's Coach Hume time. <laughs> it, on the on the on your practice group, it's say 15 minutes individual, right. 20 minutes of group, and you just knew you better have about 20, 25 minutes of individual drills ready to go because uh, <laughs> we were going to go until he blew the whistle. So, and nobody had a whistle. I mean, that was a coach that, yep. that, that I still carry to this day. That's one thing I do carry on. Uh, I did give the offensive staff one whistle and I have, I'm a defensive guy, so I have one whistle, but forever our coaches at Harker Heights knew yeah, don't bring a whistle. And, you know, it's, it's funny um, that that's something that stuck with me is, you know, I don't want a lot of tweeting going on while we're at practice. And so there's, really I was just going to ask two. about that, man. I think this can be a long segment because there's so much about the Clements that I want to dive into. And I, I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners are Clements guys. And so they're going to love hearing all this stuff, but right. can you explain a little bit? Cause I mean, I just, it's all I knew. And I, I just love the culture. So I just immediately bought in, but like, what is the story behind is you mentioned not too much tweeting or whatever, but is there like a real story behind that? Like the no whistles thing? And I don't know. That was just a coach you thing is yeah. like nobody has a whistle but me. And so right, you, sure. you just learn to coach without a whistle. And so I'd done that forever and I did it for nine years and nobody on the field had one. And uh, I, you know, I guess that's how he controlled practice and, and the tempo. Right, uh, right. And so and then, you know, I've been to practices and, you know, it is when you got 
you know, 12 coaches out on the field and they're all running drills and it's tick, 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 right. all over sure. the place. Right. It's like, you know, kids, you know, and from a defense's perspective, you know, I'm trying to train our kids to play through the whistle. Uh, and so if there's not right. a whole bunch of whistles going on and there's only one whistle that I'm controlling, then I control when the play stops. I like that. And, yeah. not. and then as a head coach, when we're on offense, you know, um, I can control before the hit, you know, one, you know, if you're an off, so from a head coach perspective, when we go team on team and it's offensive priority, uh, I can control when that run, right before the running back gets hit, you know, we had a really special running back this year and, yeah. you know, I wanted him to go, but I didn't. So I'm on the whistle and I'm paying attention to that. Whereas the running, you know, everybody else is paying attention to a lot of different, and the whistle may come later, may never come at all. And so I think you can kind of control that a little bit. You know, when I got to Heights, that was an adjustment for them, but I'm, you know, fast forward about four years, we're out at practice and uh, I'd hired a new coach and, you know, I'm just rolling out there and, you know, all of a sudden I hear a whistle and every coach on that field was like, Whoop! like, what, you know, <laughs> oh, he's about to lose it. And so finally somebody had to go over there and go, Hey, coach Everest, he's the only guy with a whistle. And so that was just a coaching thing. I don't know if he still does it that way or not, but uh I, that's one thing that I've kept. And I think for those reasons, you know, I want our yeah. kids, to, you know, to be able to focus on one whistle, one call and not be distracted by a thousand different drills going on. Uh, and so now, you know, there is one on the offensive field because I obviously know that they got to stop plays and things with that. But we're typically on two different fields. And then when we come to one field, I'm the only one blowing the whistle when we're together. No, I like that a lot. Because like you mentioned, it shows who's in charge. And from my memory, like Coach Hume was definitely in charge, man. And I mean, it, he, he coach. That's why I think he's such a good coach, man. He had the presence where, just the way he carried himself and the person that he was, like, not that he was mean or anything, like, but like you were kind of intimidated in a way, or at least you didn't want to disappoint him. You wanted to make sure you were on your p's and q's, you know. But at the same time, he was goofy and fun, and he built relationships. Like I always tell the story, there was I don't know what it was. There's a big mound of dirt kind of yeah. next to the field house on the way to the practice field. And he would stand on there and he was king of the hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would challenge guys to bring him down. Nobody could bring him down except for Kyle Hoke. Kyle our star Hoke, safety yeah. Brought, yeah. brought him tumbling down one day. But can you speak to that a little bit? Just like, um, and now you're doing this and you're the guy with one whistle and you, I can tell you, you're running your practice. Like coach, everyone knows like coach Edwards runs the show here. Like, can you talk about that balance of like, you know, being in charge and, and, and like, you know, having that, that, uh, you know, that, I don't know the right word, but you know, that, 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 that air about you while also still being friendly and building relationships and having some fun too. Yeah. And, you know, once again, you know, that coach, I was with him for nine. And so uh, he was really good about, you know, getting on you when you needed to get onto you, yeah. uh, but he did it in a professional way, uh, yeah. except one time he got me really good. We still joke about this day, but everybody's got um, one of those stories. Coach Stiffen has one too. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll tell, tell Stiffen's story. I'm sure he's probably going to listen to this, but I just remember that he, he was coaching corners. Coach Stiffen coached corners, and Coach Hume came over in like the middle of his drill and like kind of chewed him out and about the way that the drill was being run. And Coach Stiffen took that personally, said, and it made him coach harder. And yeah. I've always said like Coach Stiffen was hard on me too when I was his coach at Ridgepoint. Like the thing that I realized, with, even though Coach Stiffen was hard on me and it was difficult at times, like it made me coach harder. I wasn't going to go easy. He wasn't going to brother-in-law with me, you know, and just let me feel comfortable. That, that's how I feel about it. But do you want to share your coaching story? <laughs> well, I can. So I'm a young coach uh, yeah. and he'll laugh if he listens to this or all the old Clemens guys will mm -hmm. laugh because they all remember. Uh, but uh, so uh, Friday it's game day and it, you know, they do spirit weeks every week, you know, yeah. Hawaiian shirt, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's yeah. college day. Okay. So I was like, okay, you know, spirit day, I'm going to participate. 
so I'm in a I'm in a maroon Aggie shirt. Yeah. Right. And so the and and I wasn't the only one that was wearing spirit, but I don't know. I think somebody had said something to him before I walked in, but I walked in to the locker room and then I walked out in the coach's office with my maroon shirt on. And I mean, I took probably the worst butt chewing I've ever taken as a coach. Yeah. You know, we wear school colors on game day. Don't you be wearing that maroon. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those, like, I yes. mean, wore yes. me out. And I yeah. was like, and so I, and I've never participated in spirit day since then. So <laughs> even when I, even, even now I don't, you know, so uh, I was like, I'm going to wear school colors on game day. Cause that's important. And I was like, you know, I took a big butt chewing and then I was like, and then afterwards I'm like, well, that guy's got a UT shirt on. He's wearing, you know, yeah. Barry had his hard Simmons jacket on and <laughs> He goes, well, I Sometimes took it you're off. just the wrong guy. Like, you know, I, know, like, I just might have set him I just off before. Kidding. Yeah, I just you happen to come right bebopping in there if you had your uh, shirt. <laughs> but we still laugh about that to this day. But you know, uh, he had a good balance of 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 making sure that you know he he valued you and appreciated you and the family atmosphere that he yes. that he brought to the table. Uh, but he'd be a jerk at the same time. And you know, and, and I've been told that that's I'm similar in style. It's like there's certain things he wants, and it, you know he can get mad, uh, but he's going to take good care of you. And I think that's the kind of the balance that Agreed. you want. You know, is you want to make sure that coaches are 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 held to the standard they want to be that you want them at and for our kid, for the benefit of our kids and our program. But at the same time, you got to value them as human beings and not just treat them as another employee. You got to treat them as, as part of your extended family. And that's, that's what we try to do through those after game parties that you talked about. Yeah. And, you know, we, we did that at Harker Heights as well. You know, now we didn't necessarily go to homes because it, you know, it just hard after a game, but the wives would make a taco bar at the field house when we got That's back great and, idea. and they would yeah. all come up there and the kids are running around. And, and so we've carried on that tradition and, you know, the, the Christmas party and the preseason. Yeah. And so those are things that we've done uh, that, uh, you know, try to create that uh, atmosphere that, uh, you know, to keep coaches there, but coach, you did a good, a really good job of balancing that. And it was a good role model in that aspect of, of being a head coach of how to treat your staff. I remember kind of like you described my first year there. I'm, I'm a freshman B team coach as me and coach Aitken, uh, Ken Aitken was, was, was <laughs> yeah. my, my partner there on the sideline that first year. And I did the same thing you did, you know, but I have, I had like the, the I had like the, the back desk. So I'm in the very back <laughs> by the door, but I'm sitting yeah. there watching you film and just, just taking it all in, uh, do, throwing some laundry, doing whatever, you know, doing those kinds of things and learning. But I totally agree with you of coach Hume. I never got a butt chewing because I was low enough on the totem pole, but he did at the end of it. He, when, when I, you know, uh, when he left, he gave me a book and it was like a handwritten note inside. And I was like, not that I didn't think he knew who I was. I mean, he knew who I was all very friendly with, but I'm like, I was so low on the totem pole. I was surprised to get like a personalized gift from him. And it really meant a lot. And so he, yeah. he, he said, he did a good job letting you know that he cared, um, you know, in those moments. And I, I love your story. Uh, Chris Fisher shared a similar story on his episode when he tried, he came bebopping into Coach Hume's office, uh, and Coach Hume found out that that Fisher was running the option. <laughs> that didn't go so well. So you're gonna wear your team colored shirt on game day, and you're gonna run what's in the playbook only. That's right. Uh, That's Coach right. Fisher to this day maintains that there is an option play inside the playbook. But still didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that didn't go over well. So that was a fun one. But I want to dive into that a little bit because, like I said, Co Coach Sniffin did a great job too, letting us know that he cared. But he also was hard. Like there would be blow ups at times, and I, I was on the receiving end of a couple of those. But I never took it personal, even though it is hard when, you know, again, you're face to face and, you know, but 
I kind of understood, in my opinion, I understood the why behind it. And he would share with me. He's like, hey, Kovo, I'm hard on you, man, but I, I, I just know you can take it and I, I trust you, you know? And I, I believe in that. But I think sometimes, I don't want to say just young coaches, but assistants, they do struggle if they get chewed out like that. Can you give any words of advice, you know, for if you are an assistant and your head coach does come at you one day for whatever reason, it's, it's my opinion that you still have to keep pushing forward and, and it shouldn't change your performance or anything, but can, I think sometimes it may happen where a guy starts to hold a grudge or, you know what I mean? So can, what advice can you give? And because it, it's intense, right? It's intense. We're coaches, we're coaching hard. Like what advice would you give to an assistant who's listening that maybe was on the, on the end of a butt chewing and they're still having trouble, you know, processing that? Well, I think, you know, you grow and learn. I mean, I think yeah. that's part of, of, of this profession is, you know, uh, the head coach is trying to, just like any player, get the best out of you. Right. Uh, you know, Great. now I will say this as a head coach, you know, um, if you, if, if, and I've had those moments too, or I've gotten on staff member, you know, it's always behind closed yeah. doors and, and things. Uh, and, and Coach Huma is really good about this too, is, you know, it, you know, I talked about the, the butt you and I got for wearing yeah. the game day, but, you know, after that, that was on a Friday night, after the game that night, you know, he came to me and, you know, he said, Hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't have got on his heart, but Absolutely. here's why. And, yep. and yep. so I always try to follow yep. up with that too. You know, it's like, you know, unless you're doing something, you know, my guys at, at uh, Heights will tell you that, uh, you know, I was big on being on time, you know, I'm right. a very <laughs> big stickler on that. And there's been a couple of blowups when, when coaches showed up late. Sure. Um, but, you know, you've set that expectation. And so, you know, you're a professional, you know, be on time. And if I've told you, you know, hey, man, you're kind of late today. And if you, you know, you keep pushing the button a few times, you know, uh, as a young coach, you should expect it coming because, we're all hired to do a job, right? And at the end yeah. of the day, um, you know, as the head coach, you know, you shoulder a lot of the blame. You know, I know yes. I did early on in my yeah. career. You know, uh, you know, you feel like you let down a stadium and a community and a school full of people, and you that burden is heavy. Uh, yes. You know, and so you got to maximize your staff, and you, you know, and, and as assistant, you might not understand that and, or why he's trying to push you to do better. Uh, because, you know, you're trying to get the put the best team out on the field that you can. And, you know, if you're going to hold players to high expectations, you got to hold coaches to high expectations. Uh, because if you're constantly showing showing up late or you're not coaching effectively, I mean, that's a reflection of the whole team and the head coach. And so, I, you know, it, it's the difficult part of the job, right? I mean, it's not the, <laughs> the thing that you look forward to the most. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you establish a relationship with guys, they understand that, Hey, I messed up. He told me, you know, I know what Agreed. Coach Edwards is about and what, what, what the standard is. And, you know, I've had times where I've called coaches in my office and said, hope you got your big boy pants on, you know, uh, yeah. you know, don't, don't take offense. I'm about to tell you something that you're probably not going to like to hear, uh, but you're an adult. So, you know, let's work yeah. through this, you know, uh, because I wouldn't be doing my job preparing. And luckily for me, I got a lot of guys on my staff that want to be head coaches. And so they understand and they take the feedback positively. You know, uh, you, you know, you can't hold grudges, not in this profession. And if you do, I tell our staff all the time, let's talk about it. Let's, let's yeah. sit down and go, Hey, what, you know, I, I'll tell you why. And, and then you can, you know, and, and how to avoid it next time. Yeah. <laughs> I, man, Jerry, no, I, I love it. I love your transparency. I love you're not going to skirt around the tough issues. I, I think it's very smart, you know, the, the way that you do it. 
And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things like showing up on time, getting your CDL. You know, I've seen, I've seen, that's another one. Right? You got to get your CDL on time. Like there's expectations of coaches, you know, that can, that can lead to the confrontations or those, you know? So yeah, I, I totally, uh, you know, agree with you there. One thing that, you know, and obviously I had a two-year head coaching career, so I'm not, I'm not the wealth of knowledge of you or anything, but what I, what I would say is I felt like sometimes on the sideline at games or, or in the off season or whatever practice, like, Sometimes I felt like a lot of times I'm just running around constantly correcting if I see a negative behavior. Like if there's, if it's the game's going on, there's some kid pouting 20 yards by himself, you know, on the side. I'm like, I hate that. I hate that kind of stuff. Right. Even now as a broadcaster, I train myself. I look for that on sidelines and I, I evaluate teams and, and coaching based on that. If I see a lot of that kind of stuff, like I, I get an impression in my head. I don't think it should be allowed. Like, so I would always immediately go try to correct that. I think a good as assistant should be, and I, I try to do this when I was assistant, like they should be handling those things. You know, the head coach has a lot on his shoulders. And I think what I, what I probably need to do a better job of was really communicating that better to my assistants. Like, Hey, I expect you, you, all of us to correct anytime we see one of those things, like, don't let it slide. Right. Don't let it start building. Curious your thoughts on that. Like, no, yeah, I, I think you can, I think you can tell a lot about a team in pregame. Uh, yeah. how they yeah. approach it and how they walk the field. I mean, uh, and so we, now you want kids to be individual, uh, you know, and, but when it's time to lock in, lock in, but I think you develop that culture. And so it goes back to hiring good coaches, you know, um, and, you know, I know you'd only been there two years, but, you know, it took me three or four years to, to get a staff that, that I felt that understood my values and what I wanted and how to accomplish it. Uh, but I'm with you. I think, Football's, a, you know, when you get into the aspect of winning and winning at a high level, it's about discipline and details. Uh, and that'll never change is, you know, everybody has athletic teams. Everybody's good in scheme. Uh, but how disciplined and details when it matters uh, to your football team. And I think that's a lot that you create during the offseason. There's certain things that we do during the offseason to try to build that. Uh, but setting those expectations with your coaches because they have to police that for you. And, you know, when we go to our coaches retreat, there's 12 things that I think our coaches should believe in. And one of them is you're the head coach of your position uh, and your players are a reflection of you and your leadership style. And so that I tell them, I said, you know, uh, how they behave in the classroom, how they behave on the field. And a lot of times, especially when I was at Harker Heights, the coaches did a tremendous job because we had preached that and they understood what I wanted out of our team. They would come to me and go, Hey coach, just want to let you know, we got this going on, but we've taken care of it. And so it was just letting me know, but I knew that's excellent. They knew what I wanted to be done and they had already taken care of that's that. Huge, he man. goes, Hey, so-and-so did this in class. I got this email. I'm already on it. And so that was that. And then, and, but we all believed in that on our staff and that's, you know, that's the first thing uh, on, on the, on the thing that we go over with our coaches and at Heights, we had a big, it was a four by eight, a huge in the, in the coach's locker room. Uh, and it's, you know, the very first thing is the whole staff has to be aligned. And so every time you go in that bathroom, you could see those 12 things and, you know, that was number one and then be, be the position coach or the head coach of your position was one of them as well. Great stuff. You know, and I don't know if all staffs do this, but I love you talk about the retreat. That's something that all Hume kind of tree guys do or, you know, and I, well, I got to make like, that from sniffing actually, because I think sniffing was, that, was we, one oh, of the first ones to do that. Was that okay. I guess yeah. my memory. So I guess at Clements, we did not have a retreat. No, not maybe like, not. Yeah. You guess you're right. Cause now, I, I definitely Clement, at rich point we were doing it each year for sure. 
Right. No, I do know at Clements when we went to coaching school that first day, we would have a staff meeting to the that's right. That's right. You're, room, that's when we teach progressive like tackling yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. get into it and really roll his <laughs> yeah. hips into people. <laughs> yeah. But no, that that's awesome, man. But lots of good stuff. Um, the parties. I and mean, when I was at Aldean, I kept it going, but not every single game, right? We'd do maybe one or two. And I again, just being over, a little overwhelmed, just couldn't get it all structured and maybe not in newer staff together. Maybe we just didn't have it rolling. But I love your idea of just doing it at the field house. That's that's a great idea because it yeah. is it is a lot of travel for guys to get to a, another location like we did. But um, but yeah, lots of great stuff. Now, one last thing on Clements, man, just it was a special time. Of course, you know, the 13 and one season. You, you coach guys like uh, Reed Curry, you know, just awesome defensive lineman, you know. And what, what, what are some of you? Do you have any special memories or stories you want to share? I know there's gonna be a lot of Clemens guys listening. Uh, well, you know, I think the the Houston Stratford game when you have Derek Carr as a quarterback and Andrew Luck on the that same was huge, field. Yeah. I mean, just think about that, you know, uh, being in that game. Uh, and then I had a bunch of buddies come to that game because I was best man in a wedding. And, you know, we go on that deep run and it was the bachelor party that weekend. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, so they we were going to Galveston because uh, I set it all up. And so they come and watch that game. So we talk about that now. It's like, yeah, we went and watch uh you know jerry coach against you know and so that was cool uh the beaumont westbrook game comeback yeah. uh was huge in the pouring down rain i'd lost my wedding ring at, celebrating at the end of the game oh my gosh wet. and so i'm out there looking for it forever uh and can't find it uh and you know and then you know coach him had a short fuse at times and you know yes. Uh, you know, we're trying to delay it as long as possible. <laughs> and he was like, get on the bus. And so I, I, I remember luckily, this. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, my, my ring had flew off or and landed in a kid's bag. And so they were like, hey, coach, somebody. And I, so I found it. But anyway, uh, just what a special group of kids, you know, and it's my first. And, and to see it, and I've seen it at every school I've been at. When we got to Clements, so at Milano, you know, smaller stadium, you go, everybody's there. The fence is lined up with everybody. Yeah. And so, you know, I get my 5A job and I'm like, man, yeah. this is going to be awesome. 5A yeah. football. Uh, and I walk out Hall Stadium for our first varsity game. And there's like 40 people in this huge stadium. Yeah. I was like, where's yeah. the crowd? And they're like, no, nah, that's it. And and to go from that to uh, I have a picture in my house still that I hang up of the rice game against Katie yeah. where it's just flooded with red on one side and the other side is just flooded with blue. And we're, yep. we're, you know, one-to-one -one with their ratio. And so that was really cool. Kind of same thing. And when we get to Mansfield, a team had never been in the playoffs, never won a playoff game uh, to go there and, and win, and then just really put them on a trajectory that they're on, that they've been on. Uh, you know, and those stadiums fill up and then kind of same thing when we got the Harker Heights, you know, it was still well attended. Uh, but, you know, when we're packing out the stadium last year, every game and it's sellout crowds. And at one point, my AD, we had opened a new school over at uh, Chaparral and we had our first home game there. And he goes, coach, I don't know if, if Heights can play here anymore. Yeah, it's it's standing room only. And so that's it's cool to see that progression. And I think you kind of learned that. Uh, but what a group, great group of guys to work for, you know. I mean, just yeah. go-getters, young go-getters. I mean, Coach Hume is his first head coaching job, and we just all wanted to prove ourselves and our ways. And we worked extremely well together. And, you know, all those guys went on to be head coaches. Yeah. I mean, really, incredible. Truly, I mean, that really. that is incredible that, uh, you know, uh, you had five future head coaches working on the same staff together. And uh, I think that's what re really made that group special. And a group, great group of kids. I think 
you know, it was a, it was just a right timing. For yeah. All. Perfect. A good group of young, hungry head coaches or coaches. And then a young group of young men that would just run through a brick wall for you. And I mean, I, I do remember that day at Westbrook, it was cold and rainy, the worst weather I've ever seen in my entire life for a football game. And I could tell coach Hume was steaming and yeah. he wanted to go. The last thing that was remaining was y'all always bring your lucky bench. Oh yeah. That yeah. you would they sit on and, thing over the fence. Yeah. That's exactly what I, I was standing right there. And the, the little ball boys were kind of like struggling to lift it. And he was, he got so pissed. He came over there and superhuman strength just threw it over. Yeah. And said, Let's go on the bus, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I remember that. And yeah, lots of great stories from Clements. You know, I, 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 I kind of remember now your story about your t-shirt. I, I wasn't around, but I remember hearing guys <laughs> reminisce about it. Yeah. And then, Hey, when you talk about dress code, I always remember Jason Parsons showing up to coach in jorts at his oh, first yeah. day. So lots, of, we just have so many little funny inside <laughs> jokes yeah. uh, from those times. And we've talked a lot about your time at Harker Heights, but let's let's zero in on, on this season last year. And I'm maybe I'm sure there's going to be some Harker Heights parents also listening that kind of want to hear you kind of re- reflect on this. But an incredible season, twelve and two. Okay, so that's fourteen games. We all know you got to get sixteen to win the whole thing. So I mean, you're right there, six and zero oh in district. You know, that big win, DeCaney was hot, and everybody on the show that I'm picking, you know, picking DeCaney, I said, nay, you guys don't know Harker Heights. I know this guy that coaches this team. I was like, DeCaney's great, but, like, I think Harker Heights has something for him. 63 to 35, I got the pick right. You end up coming across DeSoto, eventual state champs, so that's where it ends. But just for, you know, your fans uh, from Harker Heights listening, I mean, anything you want to share about that special season? No, it was special, uh, very special. And we knew coming into the season uh, it was going to be special. Now, we knew that we had a chance. Uh, you know, we had a tremendous class in front of them. Um, and then um, our seniors this past year had kind of seen, but they wanted to be different. They wanted to be special. And we spent a lot of time working on that. Uh, but just, to, you know, there, there's groups of guys that you coach and teams that you coach that just stick with you forever. Uh, you know, I can vividly remember that team at Clements, uh, you know, all those kids that make up that that team. Uh, we had a really, really good football team in 2012 at Mansfield, and I've been to several of their weddings and yeah. I still keep up with those guys. Uh, and then this group, uh, you know, is just super special to me uh, in a group that I'll never forget. I mean, um, you know, we had a tremendous tailback in Rashawn Sanford, uh, who's going to University of Houston. Uh, awesome. you know, J- yeah. Jaden Chapman going to University of Texas, uh, DeAubrey Hood that's going to Arkansas State. So we had a lot of talented kids, uh, but it wasn't just the talent. It was the character that these kids had, uh, you know, just a mindset that we're going to play through any injury. We're going to we're going to be at practice. We're going to motivate each other. Uh, we're going to do anything that the coaches ask us to do because we truly trust them. And that's what they did. They trusted us every step of the way. Uh, and so we knew it was going to be a special year. Uh, we were very fortunate, uh, uh, you know, to get through uh, the season and go 12 and two. Uh, those guys are, are near and dear to my heart, but uh, it, it was a great year. You know, we did. I, I know you got your Permian shirt on. That was our only loss of the season. Oh, uh, I didn't. I was doing it because of Friday Night Lights, man. I was not trying to. I was doing the Friday Night Lights thing. No, that's dude. okay. It's okay. I didn't. But I'm sorry. Did. It was a bucket list to go coach at Ratliff. Uh, yeah, we went out go. there. Yep. Yeah, we're up 27 to seven and a half. We're rolling them. I mean, it's not even close. We're dominating them. Yeah. And we just didn't come out of the locker room second half. I wow, mean, okay. just, and I kind of had that feeling going into the locker room. My DB coach kind of said, Coach, you got to get these kids 
locked back in and because he felt the same way. And, you know, you go in there and, uh, you know, it was our third game, of the, our fourth game of the season. We were three and oh, and we just rolled them the first half. And, you know, I was, and I tried to tell them guys, we're, you know, Mojo ain't going to lay down. Uh, and yeah. so we had a lot of, a lot of things go wrong the second half, uh, a couple questionable calls here and there, but you're on yeah. the road, you know, that comes part of the territory. Yeah. So we wind up, they score with like 20 seconds left in the game and kick the PAT to win it. Uh, and we lose 28, 27. That was our wow. only regular season loss. Yeah. Uh, but uh, great experience. And, you know, really, and truly, I think that loss, I think we needed that loss. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I think it refocused our team because we started the playoffs the very next week and, you know, we were kind of struggling offensively earlier in this early in the season. Uh, but that that kind of refocused us. And we got into a situation against Pflugerville Weiss in our first round, our first play, uh, district game. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a tight game. And we were able to to finish that game out. And I think we learned that from the week before. And then you fast forward to the Temple game, which is a big game. And that's really for the district championship, yeah. something that yeah. hadn't been done in Harker Heights and like, I can't remember like 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and it never been done. And then even in Colleen ISD, there hadn't been a football district championship in forever. Wow. Uh, and so that was a goal of ours uh, is to win that district championship. So we go in the locker room, we're down, um, we're down nine, nothing at half. Uh, we come out, we make it nine, seven. Uh, and then we somehow take the lead and make it 13 to nine. We missed the PAT. So it's 13-9 with eight minutes left in the game. Uh, and this is a coach's dream. This is this is one of those memories that will last with me forever. So it's fourth and – or it's third and about three. We stuff them uh, about midfield. It's fourth and one, 8.30 left on the clock in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I thought they were going to go for it. Well, they elect to punt it. Well, they punted it, and it was just your typical smash-mouth football. And we yeah. take that ball – uh, from like the 30 yard line all the way to the one yard line. And then we take a delayed knee yeah. three to go all the way back. And we, so we run eight and 30 off the clock. Wow. Never give the ball back to them. And it's just a backbreaker uh, for them. And then get it all the way to the one and then take yeah. a knee to secure a 13, nine win in a district title. That was a really. Uh, That's proud huge. Moment. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was a proud moment for me, but it just kind of showed the mentality that our team has. It's like, and we had learned that along the way, but that was that type of group is like, we've got this because the year before we fumbled the ball going in to win it and they scoop and score and, and we lose the district championship on a scoop and score yeah, uh, with a chance to, to win it. And so you could just tell in these guys' minds that we're different. We're going to be different. We're going to leave a legacy at, at Harker Heights. And uh, we're not only going to be the district champs, we're going to get in the playoffs and we're not just going to get in the playoffs. We're going to win playoff games. And so, you know, that first playoff game against Mansfield high, my old school, a lot of my yep. old buddies were still there and uh, yeah. you know, they were coming in from the district of doom and uh, you know uh, the, it was the first playoff game in, in Colleen in about six years uh, you know, that they just hadn't hosted. And so we were able to win that game, I think 39 to two, uh, we put it on them. And then, you know, the next week uh, we play Roy city out of the DFW area and beat them at Waco and then spring to Caney. Uh, you know, our kids are starting to fill it then we're clicking at the right time. Uh, Rashawn, uh, our tailback took the first uh, play 70 yards to the house. And I was like, this game's over. 
Uh, and so we win that. And then we run into DeSoto, the eventual state champs. And, you know, they're a really good football team, had a great scheme against us, uh, played well. We might not have played our best game, uh, but, you know, our kids fought to the very end. And I would take nothing. That's why I told them at the game. I'm not going to ever. You've done something that has never been done at Harker Heights. I think yeah. in Colleen history, I think only four teams ever have made it to the fourth round. It was the first time in Colleen history or Harker Heights history yeah. that any team had ever made it to the fourth round. Uh, and so those guys uh, will be regarded there for a very long time. Uh, you know, as as they set the bar, they you know, uh, everybody will be trying to strive to reach what the 22 team did. And uh, I can't thank those kids and those parents enough uh, for my time there. Absolutely. And, you know, now now that you're going back to Colleyville Heritage, you know, it, something you said was interesting to me when you were talking about the um, the five man varsity staff or six man varsity staff and how initially you said the DFW coaches were kind of like giving you all some guff and saying you couldn't do it. And so. I listen to a Greater Houston Football Coaches Association podcast. Andres Gomez hosts that. He's a Northbrook High School head coach. And he, he so far, he's been bringing a lot of retired coaches, you know, Dick Olin and uh, I don't know, Mike, uh, Mike Johnson hasn't come on yet, but like several of the guys like uh, Don Clayton. I mean, the list goes on and on. And all of these coaches talk about like the the fraternity within the Houston area coaches, and we have an association called the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. I'm not I'm not trying to give you both make you put make a hot take or anything, but is there kind of like a rivalry when you come from Houston, and you go up into Dallas? Like, is it, is it something where it's, there is like a, a, a feel there or, or, or not? No, I think so. Okay. Uh, you know, I think there is a feel, you know, it's, it's the, you know, DFW versus the Houston area. Sure, sure. You know, obviously I'm going to be a little biased and I'm going to be more on the DFW end of it. You know? You've done both. I mean, you, you spent five and years. I've done in both, Kansas, so you know, you're kind of a uh, man. You might be a Metroplex guy now. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, to me, I think year in, year out, and this is going to be, well, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I think some of the best high school football in the country is played in the DFW area. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, really and truly. I mean, the talent here, yeah. and, and I'm not taking anything away from Houston. There's, sure. you know, there's tremendous teams in the Houston area uh, that always, uh, you know, go really deep and yeah. really far. Uh, but uh, and it and it gets heavily recruited because there's a ton of talent. But same thing with the DFW, and uh, you know I got to stick to I'm on this side of the the state, so I'm gonna hey, stick with what I know, right? Jerry, I'm a Houston football guy, but the the results don't lie from last year's playoffs. I mean, yeah. and you don't have to respond to that, so I'm not gonna make you pick a hype. <laughs> but I, I'm saying it as a Houston guy, like you you guys raised the bar again. You know we have to we have to elevate. Uh, my family and I, we just moved to Katy. Like we are, I'm very close. I'm five minutes from Katy high school. So my son, right, hopefully yeah. if he wants to play, he's going to be Katy tiger someday. All so right. I'm starting to drink the red Kool-Aid. I hope they're one <laughs> of the teams, North shore and all of our, all of our powerhouse down there, Jerry, yeah. we're going to try to give you something this year, yeah, but gotcha, I know. Gotcha. It, it was, it's a great playoff last year, man. So I can't wait for this year already. Now, you, like I said, the thing that they were giving you a little bit of guff for was that style of coaching, you know, with the varsity only staff, I'm assuming you, you got away from it. Cause you said, you know, there's too many kids standing around when they could be getting more defensive time. Cause they're not actually playing both ways. So I'm assuming you, like if you went down to the lower levels, you would continue this, this system. And so I guess my question is what's that cutoff point? Cause now, you know, Jerry, you're going down to five, a division two. So, I mean, your roster is getting a little smaller. Like, could we see a return of, of coach Hume's staff style at, at heritage one day or, or is there is there, is there a number in your head or, or, or a marker in your head to where you might go back to it no i don't think there's a marker i think you got to do what's best for your program yeah uh, i don't think we're there here 
Uh, okay. You know, uh, I just, you know, we didn't have a spring ball, uh, but I will say, you know, there probably will be more two-way players, you know, at the 5A Division II. So that's sure. one adjustment that I'm adjusting to here. You know, at Harker Heights, we had five teams, 220-plus kids every right. year. You know, and here, you know, uh, from what I've been able to gather, you know, there's a varsity of one JV team and then two freshman teams is, is what we what we're going to strive for. Uh, but, you know, our goal is to build the numbers. Uh, you know, I think it's all about participation, regardless of the student enrollment. How many of those young men can you get out here playing football, you know, and experiencing because, you know, football uh, there's so many life lessons taught in it. Right. And so we want to get as many of those young men in the building to come out here and play. You know, you could be there's some smaller schools where there's more participation at the smaller schools Correct. than some of the bigger schools. That's and so, right. But that's just the culture that they've built. And so that's what we want to try to do here. Uh, will I ever return? Probably not okay. uh, too entrenched <laughs> in this way. Uh, but you know, I do see some value in, in in what we will look at as we move forward, as I, you know, dive deeper into the to it here and get a season behind me. How much two-way time do we need to build into our practice schedule uh, so players can, you know, potentially two-way. Uh, but those are things that we're definitely, as a staff, looking into. Last kind of serious question before we dive into some of the fun stuff and just get to okay. know you more as a person. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this with you, but I'm very open on the show. I know you listen to the show, so you know this. Like, I kind of came from a dysfunctional home, and my, my dad was kind of abusive person and stuff. So at the time when I was going into high school, I was really seeking, a, like, a father figure, you know, and I found that my coaches. So I instantly was hooked. And, I mean, I just gravitated to football, and it became my identity and being a part of the team and loving my coaches. And so, you know, now that I'm out of coaching and I'm, I'm, I'm doing broadcasting and podcasting and trying to just highlight all the great things, like, I'm up in those bleachers, Jerry, and it's like your wife, I'm sure, has to deal with this. But, like, I can't stand some of the stuff I hear from the bleachers, whether it's second-guessing coaching or yelling at officials, which also really bothers me. I'm, I'm very pro-official, too. I know sometimes right. we, we get on them, but we need them. They're a part right. of the game. Like, to me, it's just like these coaches, coaches are maybe one of the most important pieces of the fabric of our society, in my opinion. People might say, Kovo, you're, you're over-dramatic. You're over but, like, I, I think of kids like me that needed coaches, you know? And so I hate it when just people are dogging on them. It really bothers me. I, I, I think the negativity might be growing. Maybe it's just me, but um, I think it's a problem. You, obviously, you're a very high-level coach and campus administrator. Are you seeing some of that behavior? And if so, what can we do? Like, what, what, what can we do as a society to try to stop that? Because I think it's really important. No, I agree. Uh, you know, I think it's it's easier now. You know, kids have grown up with a phone in their hand their whole yeah. lives now. You yeah. know, in, in our generation, you know, I didn't get a cell phone until I was in college. And yeah. so uh, it's easier now to sit behind a screen and, and say things uh, off the cuff. Uh, you know, what can we do? You know, I think our role as coaches is to try to help educate, you know, uh, one of the biggest things, and you can ask the player at Harker Heights is, uh, you know, I never wanted kids to fight, you know, um, and I'm not just talking about the team. I'm just talking about general student population. Yeah. Uh, but I always talk to my football players about when, you know, a fight did uh, happen in the school building. Uh, you need, I don't want to see you pull out your phone and film it. What, what does that do? Why are you, why are you giving Love that? Yeah. Uh, gratification to something that's, that's unnecessary you know don't 
uh, promote something that we shouldn't be. And so you need to be the leader, you know, obviously football players are the leaders in the building. And yeah. so I told them all the time and, you know, and, you know, there would be scuffles, you know, from time to time in the locker room. And mm -hmm. I told them, I said, I'm going to be mad at the guys fighting for sure. I said, but if I see a video and you filming it, I'm going to be more mad at you than them because you didn't, Absolutely. you knew what the right thing was. You knew that you're up, you had an opportunity to break up that fight and be a good teammate and instead of trying to break it up and de-escalate it, you thought it would be cute to film it and post it on, on social media, which, you know, and so I said, you know, who's, who's more in the wrong here, you know? Um, and so we spent a lot, and those kids knew that, you know, they knew that if I, if I found out or I saw a video and they were there or involved or filming it, uh, that they were going to catch the wrath of Coach Edwards just because, you know, I'm just trying to teach them this guy, guys, this is not how you handle a situation. You know, I know you're young adults and you, and you make decisions and there's a lot of testosterone mm -hmm. flowing and people disrespect you and all this. But, um, you know, there's better ways to handle a situation. But, you know, um, you know, to go back to your original question, it's, you know, you try to be as positive as you can. And, and you know, hopefully your perception. That's why I love having my kids around me all the time at mm -hmm. games and on the bus and ball boys and my wife around because we're trying to model what yes, it to be. Absolutely. And, and, and I can, and I can say this uh, early on in my head coaching career, <laughs> when I was young, mm -hmm. I was the guy that was always on the officials. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, it took me two or three years to realize that number one, it's driving a, a wedge between my program and the officiating chapter. And it's not benefiting my team and our kids right. are going to react how I react. And so sure, sure. I've changed I, I, and I've, I, you know, I very seldom get hot and try not to. And now I'm the guy pulling coaches back and, you know, every now and then I'm not saying that I don't sure. you know, oh, yeah. you know, get it, but, you know, try to take the cool, calm approach more so than I did when I was a younger fiery coach. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully I've made that change, but no, I think, you know, Social media has definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely changed the landscape of the world uh, with how people respond to things because you know they're always looking for something to post that people are going to like. And unfortunately, in the society we're in, those are the things that people like and retweet is you know, uh, things that are probably not benefiting our society like they should. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I want to, I, I enjoyed looking, seeing the tweets of the. Of, of the good things and you know yeah and, and not the fight in and so that's just one thing with my program that our kids know is like i'm not going to tolerate theft and i'm not going to tolerate you uh videotaping a fight and posting it on socials that's just nothing that we stand for i really like that coach because you're the first person i've asked this question to every single guest you're the first person that specifically brought up the filming of fighting and you are so right like whenever i'm, I'm watching the news and these videos make it on the news you yeah. know, and it just it to me is is just breeding a, a a culture on campus of like lack of control and lack of like respect for education. Like you know what I mean? Like we're here to learn, right? Like, and that's why I tell our kids, it's like you know we're trying to build our program up, and we want everybody to think. You know, back when I was at Harker Heights, we want everybody to rep the shield and what it stands for, and we're this. And and I said, when you post a video and and it's a four or five guys in Harker Heights nights t-shirts i mean you've painted a negative picture of our program I and mean, we don't want people to think negative of our program we've all worked extremely hard to make this program the best it could be why would you take a 10 second video and post it and and try to ruin everything that we've built 
to, to promote our program in a positive way. I said, you're, you're, you're telling people that you're giving the people the wrong perception of what our program is. Uh, and, you know, cause they don't see all the good that we do. All they're seeing is a 10 second sure. video with four or five guys in Harker Heights nights church doing something. And, you know, that's a big talk that we have all the time when you put on, you know, here, and I talk to those guys now, when you put on that Panther uh, Jersey and you put on that logo, you represent way more than yourself. And we're always going to represent it in a positive light because we want people to know that Colleyville heritage football players are different and they're going to act and behave a certain way. Now they're going to, now on the field, they're going to be animals and they're going to get yeah. after you, uh, but away from the field, uh, you know, I want people to go, man, those, those guys are well-coached, well-behaved. They play the right way. Now they're going to strap it up and get after you, but they're going to do it the right way. And so, you know, I, and I think those are things that, that are kids. And, and this is a true story. Right before I left Heights, there was a, a skirmish or a fight. I can just say it was a fight in the cafeteria, a big one. Yeah. And I mean, the whole time I'm trying to break, help break it up. I'm scanning the <laughs> the thing and looking for players filming. I mean, there's plenty of people filming, but I'm looking for particular football players filming. Right. And, and I didn't see any of them. And, and really and truthfully, there was a table of football players that never even got up, didn't even acknowledge it. And yeah. those are high class character guys. Right. And that's why our team was 12 and two and different because we had guys like that that didn't get caught up in the things that didn't matter or propel them to where they wanted to go. They locked in on things that were going to make them better. And they did that each and every day. One more question I want to ask you from a little bit different perspective is, you know, you, you have your kids playing all the, the youth sports. I, I want to talk about youth sports culture a little bit. because so I think that might also lead to some parent problems that we have is, you know, you, you have kids in various leagues, you know, paying, you know, to be a part of it, but then you get to the high school level and now you've mixed all of these various youth groups onto a team. And it's, you know how it is. The coaches are going to pick the best players to play, you know, to try to win. And so I think that can lead to problems as well. Like, have you seen any, have you seen anything like that since you're, you're a high school coach, but also a youth dad, right? Yeah. Have you seen that dynamic kind of rear its head in, in your job as an athletic coordinator? Or? Yeah. So as a parent, you know, my, my sons, all my sons have played, uh, you know, travel baseball or yeah. select baseball since they were, you know, a little bitty and they love it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've always let coaches coach and I just try to be a dad and don't get involved. Um, and, uh, you know, and then use that to teach my sons, my own personal sons. It might not always go your way. Uh, you know, you might not be playing the position you want to play and, you know, being around it, uh, you know, there, there's the type of parents that they just move their kid from team to team until they get what they want, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think, and, you know, and, and when they get to high school, I can see that kind of mentality a little sure. bit, you know, sure. it's sure. like, you know, we want things a certain way and if they're not, you know, um, and so, you know, just from a parent, and I can just speak on my philosophy is I, I always let the coaches coach and not every decision the coach makes is the decision I would make. Right. Uh, right. But as a professional coach, I just kept that to myself. I never, you know, approached it. Now, mm -hmm. there would be times maybe where I go, hey, coach, what can we do to get a little bit better at this, right. but right. Right. never wanted to dictate to it. And then I think it helps my sons if you know, they're not playing the position or they're sitting on the bench and to have those conversations with them. It's like, you just got to try harder. Yeah. Uh, you got to work harder and not, you know, tuck tail and run or go, Hey, you, you got to play my son. And so, you know, I think part of being successful in athletics is being able to struggle at times. And I don't think parents allow kids to struggle enough. 
Uh, I think they're always trying to find ways for their kids to always excel and always yes. be the best and never letting them taste any failure or struggle. And I think in life, you're going to have struggles and failures, uh, you know, and I think if you've never experienced that, it's hard for kids to deal with that. And there's a lot of kids in our society now that their parents have set it up for them to always be successful and have never embraced them struggling or failure. And I think that's, that's kind of a, a thing that I would hope that more parents would allow their kids, let them fail. If they're not starting or they don't get to play a lot or, or they're not playing batting in the right position or, or they're not getting a lot of balls thrown through them right now. Uh, you know, uh, you know, let them struggle a little bit. I think that'll make them a better person down the road. And, and, I, and, quit. and I don't think anybody, not a lot of people agree with that statement, but as a coach and as a parent, that's kind of where I see that we've, we've gotten away from. Man, Jerry, I couldn't agree more. I totally agree with everything you said. It's it's just like uh, episode number 10 with Chris Danzer. She's the head girls basketball coach at Aldi MacArthur. She, she said the exact same thing. She said, Kovo, if I ever did get driven out of coaching, it would be because of parents who, who are afraid to let their kids fail. And they just want to protect them at all costs. And like you said, set it up for success. And I totally agree with you, man. And so that that's really good advice, especially for me, who's hoping to become a youth sports dad. You know, once my son grows up, uh, I don't want to be that dad you know, going from team to team or complaining to the coach. I just want, I want to do what you did ask, like, how can we get better? And so I, I think that's all spot on, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, you had a, you had a really cool vacation. I just want to highlight that briefly. <laughs> uh, you got to go, go see whiskey Myers at the red rocks amphitheater. And now I've, I've heard of this place because my, my favorite comedian is bill Burr. And I know he did a show out there. So I saw some of it and it looks amazing. Can you describe for our, our listeners? Like it's in Colorado, I believe. Right. And yeah, just where right is outside. it? And what was it like? Yeah, just right outside of Denver. Wow. Uh, so it's okay. been a, a bucket list. Uh, you know, me and my wife, there's a couple of things that we that, that are staples. You know, yeah. we're barbecue, const, you know, yes, we love yeah. barbecue. We love you and Texas Coach Campbell, country. right? You both do yeah, kind of like yeah, a barbecue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we love Texas country music and yeah. we love uh, football. And so, yeah. uh, you know, a buddy of mine uh, back home uh, in Central Texas, uh, you know, put me on this venue and uh, we started looking it up and, and it became a bucket list item. I was yeah. like, man, we got to go see somebody in concert there, but you know, it's usually during the summer and planning it out and in a band that you like, well, I guess back in, uh, April whiskey Myers, which is from East Texas. Yeah, uh, so, cool. uh, you know, yeah. uh, they were playing out there and I'm a big fan of theirs. And so my wife was like, Hey, we got to go. We got to go. So me and my wife and our, our couple friend back home, Lisa Malcolm, uh, we flew out to Denver for the weekend just yeah. to go to that concert. And Red Rock, it's, it's an amphitheater built into the rocks. And these the Red Rocks come up from Denver. The weather was beautiful. It was a great concert. Uh, it's just a cool, cool venue uh, to be in and be associated with. And actually ran into a coaching buddy that's the head coach at Mansfield. He happened to be there. As no well. way. And to say, yeah, <laughs> just randomly. So, uh, but a really cool atmosphere. And then we we were actually just going to go up there to that concert and fly back. And then I found out another East Texas Texas country guy, Kobe Cooper, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. He actually was playing in on uh, Friday night at another venue. And so we pushed our flight back another day and went awesome. to that concert too. So we got two two East Texas concerts in Denver, Colorado. Oh my God. Uh, what are the odds, right? But it was a really cool experience. So I can check that off my bucket list. That's awesome, man. As, as far as that, you know, your, your favorite teams, your Texas A&M football, you know, all the way. 
Uh, you like all the Dallas teams had minus basketball. Now is that, is it just because you, you're not a basketball fan in general, or is there a different basketball team that you follow? Well, just not a basketball. It's not basketball. Just okay. never, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just never got into it. Played my freshman year, but just never got into it. It's just a football baseball guy. Yeah. Now here's the part where I, this is what I find one of the things about you that I love Jerry. Like you're, you're <laughs> into Friday night lights. Like I am. And I'm, I'm very into it. Like I, there's two podcasts out right now that I'm listening to all of them. I don't know if, oh. if you, Listen no, to him. I, I need to. Okay, so here are the two that are out there. The first one is host by hosted by uh, this guy Derek Phillips. He played Billy Riggins. Yeah, they played Tim Riggins' brother. Yeah, and then his wife. Uh, God, the, she was a stripper at the time. <laughs> oh, I, uh, not not Tyra. One of the Colettes, Mindy Collette. So okay. Mindy Collette, and you know she married Billy Riggins, so they host a show. And then Matt Saracen. Oh, okay. and Scott Porter, the guy that played Jason Street, they host a show. Oh, okay. And I'm gonna say this, out. man. The thing, the thing I gotta say, if you listen to these, you're gonna come away really liking Scott Porter, <laughs> and I think you might not, which is Jason Street. You might not yeah. like Matt Saracen. <laughs> he's not a big, fo- he's not a football guy in real life. Oh, he's, really? It, some of the stuff he says, I'm like, yeah. But Scott Porter, he's from Nebraska. You know, he grew up. He played high school football in Florida, so he like he gets it. Like he he yeah. loves football like we do. Matt Saracen in real life doesn't like football. <laughs> so I would share that with you. And then I ran into, uh, at, at a bar one day in Houston, I ran into the guy that played, uh, it was in like season four, um, Becky Sproles. I don't know if you remember her, but the, the girl that was kind of ended up like hooking up with Riggins and Luke Cafferty, yeah. her dad, the truck driving dad, I met him at a bar. Oh, okay. Cool. Now your bar story is a lot better than mine. <laughs> I met a guy that was maybe in two or three episodes you met Kyle Chandler in yeah. Marfa, Texas, of Marfa, all places. And, and for those that don't know, Kyle Chandler is the star of the show. He's number one on the call sheet. He is Coach Eric Taylor. How the hell did that happen? I am dying to hear this story. So, you know, I told you earlier that me and my wife always do a trip together. Right. Yeah. And so one year, uh, you know, we we're trying to figure out where we want to go. And I'd heard about this place called Marfa, Texas. And uh-huh. uh, I was like, you know what? Started looking at it. And I thought that'd be different. I've never been out that part of Texas before. Right. Uh, and so I said, hey, let's go to Marfa. And she goes, well, what's in Marfa, Texas? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, all the A-listers, they like go there and yeah. hang out. It's like uh, they got, you know, architect or sculptures, you know, it's a big art thing. And and if you've never isn't been the to Marfa, UFO, isn't UFO? So they have the lights, the Marfa lights there. The lights, right. Okay. Yeah, but it's a it's big artsy there. It's yeah. if you've never been to Marfa, I've never Texas, been. I would tell you to take a trip. It's okay. it's it's very it's cool. Uh it's different. It's like, you know, you it's a West Texas town out in the middle of nowhere, and it's got this art from New York with this San Francisco restaurant vibe, and it's like mm it's in the middle of Texas, <laughs> and I said, but, but, but celebrities go there. So I told her, I said, we'll just go hang out for a few days. So anyway, we're out one day we're looking at the, the art and we, you know, it's, it's different. And yeah. so we were like, I was done with it. And I was like, there's an old hotel in town. I said, let's go there and we'll just, you know, sit at the bar. This is like midday and we'll just kind of hang out for a little bit and, and get a couple of drinks. So me and my wife are just sitting at this U-shaped bar and, uh, we're talking to the bartender and this and that. And then all of a sudden this guy walks up to the bar and orders some drinks. And I was like, <laughs> look at my wife. Cause we're, we were big Friday night light fans. Like you talked about. Yeah. And I was like, there's coach Taylor. <laughs> and she was like, and she looked over and she go, Oh my God, that is coach Taylor. You got to get a picture. And so he gets in and he's headed back to wherever he was the pool yeah. or whatever. And I was like, Hey, 
uh, Coach Taylor, can I get a picture? I'm a high school football coach. I'm a big, huge fan. And he's like, oh, you know, he didn't want to at first. Uh, and then my wife goes, no, he, he coaches football. We have to get this picture. And so anyway, me and coach Taylor, we yeah. take a picture and I tweet out and just two head coaches hanging out in Marfa, Texas. So, that is awesome. yeah. And so then my wife was like, Oh my gosh, you were right. There are celebrities here. So it was, it was really cool. It was a cool experience. So, uh, yeah, we're big fans of the show. Now, the only thing that I think would top that would be Buddy Garrity somewhere. So Buddy Gary <laughs> would be awesome. I'm with you, man. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, I wore the I wore the Booby Miles Permian jersey because I, I love it. You, and I, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the one loss. I was not trying That's to do that. Right. But <laughs> do you do you also I'm assuming you like the movie as much as the show? Because I, I love both. But I mean, are, are you more of the show guy and not like the movie? Or I'm kind of curious. If you're, if you're... Uh, no, now I'm a big I was I was big into the book. Uh, you know, I yeah. think maybe a long time ago. So my brother, I have an older brother. And so and so he graduated in 89. Wow. So around when he was in high yeah. school, that yep. was when Mojo was at their peak. Right. And so uh, I remember reading the book, my brother talking about it. And I remember my brother and him and a buddy went to a game at Ratliff. And, you know, growing up in high school, you you hear about Mojo and you yeah. hear about Ratliff Stadium. And it was and it was just kind of ingrained in it. And so uh, but and then and then the movie came out. The movie was great. But yeah. the TV show was 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 really good. I mean, at the time the TV show came out, that was when me and my wife had just gotten married. Yeah. I was brand new into my coaching journey. Uh, and it was just, and there's a lot of parallels. I mean, really, and yeah. truly, I meet people, me and my wife like to vacation a lot. And so we'll go to Mexico. That's kind yeah. of our place to go. And yeah. people find out I'm a high school coach and that's their view of high school football from that TV show. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, is it really like that? And I was like, in some aspects, it some is. Aspects, there's, a yes. lot of, yeah. there's a lot of teenage drama. Uh, you know, football is a big thing. And, you know, so, uh, but uh, yeah, we love the show. I know it's kind of cliche, but uh, for us, uh, but it was, a, we, we did love the, the TV show. Me Let me all. nerd out with you for just a couple minutes here. And, and Sarah, right, right, you can right. fast forward listeners if you don't like the show like we do. <laughs> My opinion, the best seasons was one, three, and five. Is, is my opinion. Like one was just beautiful. The pilot was incredible. Like just great. Two got just too like trying too hard, trying to be like, like the Landry killing somebody. Oh yeah. That was the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. yeah and Three like, I yeah. liked because you, you bring in um, JD McCoy. Like I kind of liked McCoy coming in. I thought they did a lot of good stuff, but they talked like you talk, they talked about like social issues. Like JD McCoy's dad physically abused him. Right. You know, stuff like that. Season four, trying to work out Dylan East, maybe just little hiccups yeah, here and there. But then season yeah. five, it got good again. I thought like Becky getting pregnant and like discussing, you know, the, the abortion topic. Like they, they just, they, they were bro broached serious issues that happened in high schools, like you said. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was kind of cool. So like one, three and five are my favorites, but I'm kind of curious, like, do you have any favorite seasons or favorite characters, favorite episodes or any of your favorite things from Friday Night Lights? Man, I just like this the series. I mean, it's been yeah. man, how long ago was that? What what years? That was was it like back. early two thousand? I mean, a mid two thousand? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, but no, I mean, I think just the whole dynamic, like you mentioned earlier, between Coach Taylor and his wife, yeah. Tan, you know, that was yeah. that was and Buddy Garrity. There's all there's a Buddy Garrity at every high school that you go. He was to. awesome. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, and so. Uh, you know, and then just the aspect of it, you know, I, I was not a big fan when they opened East Dillon and then, yeah. you know, and then they replaced coach Taylor with some random 
quarterback coach off the street or something. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And so he had to go to East Dillon and I was like, Oh, come on. I mean, you know, that's like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that's, that's, that was a little, uh, Un, not as true right and so right. you know but uh no it was a great show we loved every minute smash williams you know you started out season one with smash and the whole thing and tim and you know and, and there i mean like we said there is a lot of parallels between high school and that i mean there was a lot that that went on that was very similar um you know so, so i would love for him to do another one you know uh, especially with today's, you know, uh, that could be a great reboot that. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I thought it was well done. I thought coach Taylor was a perfect, uh, spot guy for that role and everything. So it was, well, he, he was casted, excellent. casted really well. Yeah, for sure. I, I heard a story. You would appreciate this, that Kyle Chandler, like when he was auditioning, he wanted to give off the vibe of like a, a tired, we have a lot of stress to work long hours. He, he wanted to look like tired. To, to be this coach and he said he went like on like a three-day long bender where he would just like he would drink every day and like go out stay up late on purposely and then he yeah. drove like to the la or whatever wherever you know for this maybe maybe had to drive to austin maybe they're casting in austin actually and anyway he drove there and like he just looked like crap he looked like shit <laughs> you know? he had the big bags under his eyes yeah. and he just killed the audition and man he was perfect like you said he, he was perfect but all right let's put you on the hot seat coach we're nearing all the right, end here. let's do it you're a defensive guy. You've always been a defensive guy. You're you're an Aggie. So we're gonna do a wrecking crew linebacker edition. I got three three names here. I need you to start one, bench one, and cut one. Okay. Quentin Coriot, maybe the biggest hit in football history. <laughs> you know, yes. just an incredible hitter. Dat Win, my personal favorite, just from the time era that I grew up in. I always think of Dat Win. I that that iconic photo of him running with like one hand up in the air after you know making a big play. I think of and then Warwick Holdman. You know, another guy kind of from that era that was very, very good. So three great Aggie linebackers uh, went went a little more retro, not not the modern. I know we got Von Miller and you know and and Miles Garrett, those kind of defenders. But we're we're going in this period, so we're gonna go start bench cut, uh, Quentin Coriat, Datwin, Warwick Holdman. All right, I'm gonna cut Holdman. Uh, yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> he's great, but uh, he's uh... great. He's great. Uh, I'm gonna start that win. I mean, a guy, an underdog mentality, just plays with a lot of heart and passion, and yeah. you could just see the love of the game come out in him. And that's those are the type of players I love being around. The yeah. guys that absolutely love football and everything yeah. about it, whether they're playing or not, they just and they're just gonna give you your all and everything that you have. So I got to go that win, underdog story, you yeah. know first to do it and so and then out of a part of texas where not a lot of players come from yeah. so uh you know so that's starting for sure because i'm gonna get i need a leader out there on yeah, the defense yeah. and then quinn Coria, i think i'm gonna put him on the bench yeah. now he's gonna be so pissed off he's on the bench <laughs> and when he gets in the game he's gonna do some more damage so you know what i mean absolutely so, yeah 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 so yeah that's how i'm gonna go right there all right, so we're going to go from rugged linebackers to what the prima donna position. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, the quarterback position, the very important position. Let's do some Aggie greats here. Let's do a start bench cut. We got Ryan Tannehill who's going on to have a good NFL career, maybe the best NFL career of, of the names I'm going to say. But then we got some Aggie legends Bucky Richardson, <laughs> a former Houston Oiler. So, I mean, he's got yeah. roots here. His son played at Ridgepoint High School. So, I got to actually meet him. Great, excellent best dad ever like totally gets it you know great dad great great uh son was awesome too and then johnny 
football. Now, this guy's kind of polarizing, my Aggie friends. Like, some love him, some don't. So I'm kind of really curious how, how you feel about Johnny Football. But <laughs> let's go Johnny Football, Bucky Richardson, Ryan Tannehill. Start one, bench one, cut one. All right. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to uh, – I'm going to cut Bucky Richardson. Okay. I know that's – yeah, that's not yeah. going to be a fan favorite. Aggie legend. Yes. Uh, great player. Uh, but I'm going to – uh, put Ryan Tannehill on the bench. Okay. Uh, I'm doing the money sign right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the reason I put Tannehill, he's a true player. Yeah. Uh, you know, played receiver at AM, yep. was yep. asked to, wanted to be yep. quarterback. Hey, I'll go to receiver. Had a phenomenal year at receiver. And then the next year goes, plays quarterback, does a phenomenal job. So you got to love a guy that's willing to sacrifice for the team, right? So you want that guy on your bench, right? And then Johnny Football. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Football's Johnny Football. I mean, yeah. it's got a statue outside the stadium. So, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, electrifying player. Yes. I mean, you can't yeah. deny what he did in college. I mean, just everybody turned into a football games just to see what Johnny Absolutely. Football would do. Uh, now, some of the stories I've heard are, are, yeah. are wild and crazy. And, and, and it's funny to hear these stories because I had a recruiter come in that recruited yeah. him and told this story. And I was just like, and for him to perform how he performed every right. week is right. unreal, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually, you know, because I was coaching during his time at AM, I'd never gotten to see him play in person. And so right. me and my wife flew to Missouri. Uh, to watch AM play Missouri just so I could see him play. It was like late November, uh, yeah. just uh, so I could say I got to see Johnny football play in college. But you no, know, Johnny was Johnny, man, Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. No, I'm I'm with you. I, I would have done yeah. the same thing. And, but I, I've asked this question before, and, and Johnny football's gotten benched by another. Oh, guest, you know? wow. No, it just depends. Go. Some people different different tastes, you know. Yeah, no. But uh, okay, let, let's do this. Let's uh, just to end on a fun one. Let's do a coach. You know, you met coach Taylor. I'm gonna let you be coach Taylor. And I'm going to put those okay, Oakley's on. Okay. We're going to do a coach Taylor Friday night lights edition. Now, of course we would all start Jason street. Had he not been injured. Jason <laughs> yeah. street was the all American boy. I think he was committed to Florida state or something, right. Or Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame actually. <laughs> yeah. So, Notre Dame. Jason street would have started, but I'm going to take Jason out of it. I'm going to give you three names, Matt Saracen. Okay. Uh, Vince Howard. So this is from East Dillon, but you know, he's still coach Taylor. That was his quarterback at East Dillon. So Matt Saracen, Vince Howard. And then for a short period of time, buddy, buddy Garrity did some funny stuff. <laughs> and uh, Dylan had a quarterback named uh, Ray voodoo Tatum. Tatum. I thought about doing JD McCoy, but I was like, no, nah, let's yeah, leave McCoy. Out solid we, we don't like his Wade Aikman, his little quarterback coach guy or whatever. <laughs> we don't like them. So we're going to go yeah. Matt Saracen, Vince Howard, Ray voodoo Tatum, start one bench, one cut one. All right, easy, the easy cuts voodoo Tatum, right? Sure, Guy yeah. transfers in after the Katrina, uh, not a team player, all yeah. about himself, got no room on our team. Sorry. So, and eventually, he, I think they got rid of him anyway. I think he transferred back or whatever. Yeah, they ended up playing him in state, if you remember. Yeah. They, they played yeah, against so, him in state. But would you so, do the same for JD McCoy? I'm, would, would he also be cut because of his dad and the whole kind of thing going probably on. so you know the entitlement type thing sure yeah. sure yeah 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 so, so it's going to come down to vince howard and matt saracen vince howard and matt saracen <laughs> uh well uh i'm gonna have to go i'm gonna put matt saracen on the bench and here's why okay yeah okay now because he always came off the bench and when he came off the bench he always performed you're a good coach man i love the way <laughs> you're, you're you're working that system man i like yeah, it i mean you know he he comes in and replaces street, you know, after he gets yep. injured and leads them back and then eventually takes them all the way to state championship. So, he, you know, as a backup yep. off the bench 
And then, you know, McCoy comes in, takes over his job. McCoy's not getting it done. Who's back yeah. to rescue again? Saracen off the bench, baby. That's so actually a great point. <laughs> <laughs> so Saracen's back, you know, plays the underdog, doesn't like it, but a team player. Uh, and then I got to start Vince. Maybe one, maybe the greatest quarterback Coach yeah. Taylor's ever had. Yeah. Dual threat guy. Now a lot of off the field character issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think he finally came around. Uh, with yeah, football. he did. Yeah. Uh, Coach, yeah, so, Vince Vince grew stronger and stronger and stronger the longer he was in started that. Started learning football was a you know in the game, love the game, yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, and then you know uh, who knows? We never got to see his senior season. He's probably going to be a five star guy. I love you know, that. He man. was a dominator, you know, state champion quarterback, but you never got to see that senior season. That senior season was going to be special, so I'm going to start him. I, I would have done the exact same thing. I love. I, I thought you picked Saracen just because I just I pegged you as like a dot. You want the old school kind of characters, but uh, man, you're right, man. Vince Howard starting, Matt Saracen coming off the bench where he's most comfortable, and then Ray Voodoo Tatum. You can go back to Louisiana, sir. Back, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's cut off of our team. Man, this was fun. If y'all enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please again take a moment, give us the five star rating that drives us up the charts, so more people can hear these stories of coaches making a difference. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear a new episode as soon as they come out each Sunday. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-B-O. You can hit us up at TeamPlayerPodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own here inside the Team Player Nation. So if you give me a suggestion, I will find that coach and we'll bring him on. So please, if some coach has made a difference in your life, let us know about it. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Jerry Edwards, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It was a blast. Thanks, Kovo. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially-